Hey, Deserving Listeners, we did some episodes in the past about Michael Jackson and whether or not he's guilty or innocent. And I really had no idea how many people on the internet cared so much either way. Lots of people think he's guilty. Lots of people think he's innocent. And it seems like there's almost no one in between and the two different groups of people hate each other. I really had no idea that that was the case. And when we made these episodes about Michael Jackson, I posted them thinking, oh, it's just another episode of Psychology in Seattle. And boy, was I wrong. For months up until present day, constant emails and comments and people agreeing and people hating me and you and us for saying certain things. And I was people would ask to do a follow up. They're like, you got to do a follow up. You got to look at the the rebuttal against leaving Neverland. And you got to you got to follow up because it's irresponsible to not report on the rebuttal and the evidence that Michael Jackson was was innocent. And I was always like, God, you know, I just want to I just I just never want to talk about Michael Jackson again on the podcast. It's been so emotionally taxing to be just attacked over something that I consider to be not central to my life, you know, and over time, you know, time heals or time forgets or something. (laughs) And I was like, okay, you know what? Let's do a follow up. Let's actually look at the evidence that the other side is saying, or, you know, that certain people are saying that Michael Jackson is innocent because of X, Y, and Z. And let's just look at that evidence. What do you say, Umberto? Sounds fascinating. This is the Psychology in Seattle podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kirk Honda. I'm a therapist, and I'm also a professor. My name is Umberto Castaneda, and I sell, bottle and sell a water substitute called agua. So the first thing I want to say is everyone needs to slow down. Don't attack each other. What is that supposed to mean? We all know that we have a problem with sexual abuse of children. Mm -hmm. We can all agree on that. Mm -hmm. No one disagrees. Mm -mm. We can all agree that we need to do a better job protecting children from abuse. We need to raise awareness. We need to help children come forward when they've been abused. We need to believe children more often. We need to reach out to pedophiles and help them to not offend. Right. Many pedophiles, people who are attracted to minors, have empathy and they actually don't want to harm other people. We don't do a good enough job reaching out to them. We can all agree on those points, I think, anyway, at least the beginning points that I said. Yeah. Uh, and so we just need to slow down because I think about what happens is when people disagree about Michael Jackson as to whether or not he's innocent or he's guilty. Yeah, no one's saying, yeah, he's guilty, but so what? Right. Well, at least I don't think they're. No. When people are disagreeing, they're saying, you know, he's guilty. No, he's innocent. I think they're confusing that debate to be about sexual abuse in general. I think that when people come forward and say, I think he did it. In fact, I know he's guilty. And then they encounter someone who says, I think he didn't do it. The first person is like, by you uh, forgiving Michael Jackson or not believing the victims, you're basically agreeing with all the perpetrators right. and you're, you're passively or actively encouraging or justifying future sexual abuse that could happen to me and other people I love. Right. That's not what they're saying. Nope. Uh, and the other, the other side is true as well. You know, to believe the victim's accounts, the alleged victim's accounts, and, and the people who are like, no, he's innocent – I think what the the pro the pro innocent people are misinterpreting the guilty uh, proponents is that we somehow 
believe every single allegation that is made against uh, famous people and that we're just gullible and we believe every story and we don't think about uh, other reasons as to why someone would lie. Mm -hmm. And we're just a bunch of idiots who don't think straight, you know, we're just a bunch of rubes. And I don't think that's true either. So I think we, we just, we just need to slow down. Um, cause I actually posed this question on Facebook. I was just like, you know, do you think he's innocent or guilty? And our Facebook followers are pretty nice people, but yeah. some of them started to attack each other Ooh. and calling each other, you know, out and stuff. And I said something like, let's keep it civil. We're all, yeah, yeah. we're all psychology in Seattle friends here. And the person responded like, how is it not civil? And I'm like, you, so the first person said, as a as a therapist, I believe that this person. I believe the I believe the, victim. the so victims. The, yeah. um, and blah blah blah. And then the next person replied and said, um, "You're an idiot, not an idiot, but basically you're a moron." And and then said, "And if and you say you're a therapist, well, you you must not be a very good one." Oh. And then I said, "Let's keep not civil." <laughs> yeah. And then I said, "Let's keep it civil." And the second person was like, "How is that not civil?" And I'm like. How? Maybe we don't understand the meaning of the word is. <laughs> yeah. um, so many are, 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 again, asking for an update because we, we did two episodes. We did one in 2018 before leaving right. Neverland. It was just kind of like a lot of patrons were like, you got to do Michael Jackson. We yeah, just yeah. did a general Michael Jackson. It wasn't necessary. It was about the sexual abuse. That was a chapter of it, but it yeah. wasn't the focus. Then... We went. Uh, then we saw, you know, leaving Neverland, and um, I see. And we did an episode in early 2019 when that documentary came out. Right. And if you haven't listened to the other episodes that we've done on Michael Jackson, I, I might listen to the second one. It's called Michael Jackson and Leaving Neverland, because everything we're about to say in this episode is sort of like the a second follow up, a follow up yeah. to that. Um, we go into a lot of the detail about the allegations and the sexual. Uh, and sexual predators in general. Right. This episode, we're not going to be doing that because we don't want to, you know, tread this. Yeah. Um, and in that episode, in that second episode, we were mostly convinced by leaving Neverland. Um, yeah. if, if, and I think you were 100% convinced. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't remember exactly what I said, but certainly uh, I was, I had no reason to doubt those those people. Yeah. And... Again, we got lots of attacks on on YouTube. Um, so, as a caveat, I just want to say I'm not a Michael Jackson scholar. I only have what's on the internet. Likely, that's all you have as as a listener. You know, depending on what your opinion is. Um, some of you will know much, much more than I do about this this case. Yeah. Um, I'm just not interested in spending months of my life looking into the minutia of the details, you know, I, it's just, I would rather do something else. So if you're the sort of person that really hates it, when people who don't know as much as you do about a topic, talk about something, then I, is, I recommend not listening to yeah, it this because is not gonna be for you. <laughs> you're going to get upset and I don't want to do that to you. Um, the last caveat I'll say before we go into this episode is we might not ever know what really happened. Right. And we have to accept that. Did he do it? None of us really know. None right. of us will ever know the answer to that question because by the nature of the crimes, they happen behind closed doors with no lasting evidence. Yeah. Uh, we can develop opinions, but they're just opinions. 
Yep. We're like on a jury and we're trying to take a guess about the guilt or innocence. Yeah. And when you make the guess, you just have to acknowledge to yourself, this is your best guess. You might be extremely sure of yourself in your guess, but you have to acknowledge it's still a guess. Yep. Um, no one has a video recording of what actually happened. Nobody has that. The only people who know what really happened were the people who were there. And uh, those yep. are very few individuals. Okay. So, Berto, tell me your, in as brief as possible, your love or, you know, relationship with Michael Jackson in the 80s. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, like most of us, I encountered Michael Jackson first. Well, maybe, maybe like of my age anyways. First, with, through his uh, videos that were starting to come on TV. Uh, I remember uh, Off the Wall... And basically, I remember seeing a little mini documentary featurette that they showed on TV where they were interviewing him, interviewing Quincy Jones and all these things. Didn't you have like a Michael Jackson glove? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Once once uh, he was putting out the main videos, I got obsessed. I, I would wanted to do the dances. I got a glove for my left hand. I and did you were all, in Columbia. I was time. in Columbia, yeah. Yeah. So it was a big deal for me. I loved all the songs. I sang all the songs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I loved him even in Jackson 5. My family uh, was a uh, – we had a limited number of records. And, uh -huh. and one of the records we had was – we probably had like 15 records. You know, uh. we had the best of Elton John. We had a couple Beatles albums. We had Santana. <laughs> and we had ABC 1970. And we had the red vinyl version. Ooh. So the, the record come out and it was this red vinyl. Or wait. I might be mixing that up with a different. It was there was definitely a picture on the vinyl. It might actually have been the Jackson Five oh. painted on the vinyl. Anyway, that's crazy. Off the Wall comes out in 1979. Don't stop till you get enough. Working day and night. Just you know the background of my early childhood. Then Thriller comes out 1982. I'm 11 years old. Big album for my family. He was like a family member. Yeah, in my family, my parents loved him. My siblings mm -hmm. loved him. My little my little brother loved him, even though my little brother was like five. Yeah. My older brother loved him, even though my older brother was like seventeen. Yeah. It was I, hard to find anyone who didn't love him. Like, yeah. He was a sweet kid. Yeah. He was talented. He was electric. He was huge. And those songs were so catchy. Yeah. Those songs were huge in my life. Like Billy Billy Jean has hook after hook after hook after God. hook. It's just such a beautiful song. I mean, to this day, if I want to get a, a crowd moving at yeah. a, on a dance floor, yeah. Billie Jean, that's, you got to start that, with that's that. That's it, man. Uh, want to be starting something. Oh. The, the Girl is Mine. Oh. Thriller. I'm getting chills thinking about it. Beat It. Billie Jean. Human Tell Nature. Why? Why? Tell them that it's human nature. Uh, oh. Pretty Young Thing. PYT. His videos were a big part of my life. Yeah. Beat it, obviously, but Billie Jean. That I remember watching that, you know, because back then MTV they just rotated yep. the same yep. forty videos over and over again. I watched Billie every time it came on. I watched, you know, from oh, beginning yeah. to end. It was mesmerizing. Yeah, I remember when the Thriller video was released on MTV. It's like a movie. It was just before my thirteenth birthday, December second, nineteen eighty three, and I remember we were at my family. We were at some sort of like auction silent auction event if i'm not and i was like we got to go home we're gonna miss it because yeah know, this is before internet releases you can't record anything right you just you <laughs> got to be there yeah and i remember we got to go home and like it, it was just this 
and it was I was actually really confused because I didn't know horror movies that well. Oh, yeah. And he was riffing on a lot of horror yeah, movies. Yeah. American Werewolf in London and all these uh, zombie movies and everything, yeah. Right. And I was just like, whoa. But, you know, big event. Bad comes out in 1987 with the songs <laughs> Bad, The Way You Make Me Feel, Man right. in the Mirror, Dirty Diana, which is one of my favorite oh, so good. Michael songs, Smooth Criminal. And so I, I love Man in the Mirror so much. I sang that song nonstop. Yeah. So you and I were... Hardcore. S- hardcore Michael hardcore. Jackson, as, as everyone else was, oh, yeah. really, of our generation. 1990s comes along. I stopped listening to him because I'm, I'm more into rock, Smashing Pumpkins, this kind of thing. Well, and I, I, I felt a turning point myself uh, that even starting with the mid-80s, part of it was probably seriously homophobia. Like, that's unfortunately, I think, growing up in the culture I did, I got this sense like, oh, is he gay or something? Like, I, I, I just got a weird sense from him. So I remember starting to like dislike some of his mannerisms as I grew as as an older male, and I'm sure that that was like me being homophobic to some extent. But then later in the '90s, I actually started feeling like he was going in weird directions, and I stopped listening. You know, I just stopped following him. Yeah, uh, same. I mean, not same. Uh, yeah, different. different. <laughs> it's actually very different. Very different. <laughs> me, I just stopped listening to Top Forty, yeah. and I was only listening to my. You know, my grunge and my rock and my Elliot Smith. And, same as in both of us stopped following his right. music career around the same time. Yeah. And I, but I started hearing weird stories about him. Now, this is the 1990s where I'm in my 20s. I'm not reading the newspaper, really. I'm not really tuning into the news. So I would only hear like really small trickles. There was a monkey. He sleeps in a pod with oxygen. Yeah. He bought the Beatles songs and Paul was angry. There was plastic surgery. And he started looking... Otter and otter. Right. I heard about the molestation allegations kind of seemed preposterous to me at the time. I, I'm yeah. pretty sure in the 90s I was like, come on, like Michael Jackson, a, a, a pedophile. I'm sure they're just trying to get money. I think that's what I thought. Mm. The 2000s come along, more weird stories like holding a kid over a railing, having children with a random woman, more allegations of molestation, more details. People started making jokes about it. Yep. You had comedians talking ab- about it as if it had actually happened. You know, it wasn't yeah. just a it wasn't just a news story. It was like people started talking about it in two thousands. Like Michael yeah. Jackson was a pedophile. South Park episode was brutal, and I started to wonder. Hmm, maybe maybe he did do it. Then two thousand nine, he accidentally dies from bad medical treatment. Little detail, the his physician who was administering his medications for him, presumably to fall asleep, the propofol, uh, was found guilty of involuntary manslaughter and spent two years in prison. Mm-hmm. So skip forward to 2018, and we make an episode. Several patrons ask us to do a deep dive, and I look into his life. And for the first time, I mean, I heard rumors that he had been abused by his father. Yeah. But when I started really looking at it, I was like, whoa. Because you you hear the stories like oh you know my father was a taskmaster he's a slave driver yeah and he really yeah. made us do our dance moves and put us into the studio and kept us on the road and you hear those stories Michael Jackson was in a sense systematically tortured as a kid yeah like it wasn't just slave driving it was a it was that yeah. but it was also like his father sounds like a sadist yeah like he gets off on harming other people i don't know yeah. but the stories and then this the deep sadness that michael oh. jackson felt uh, throughout his life 
and even being bullied, you know, the, the, the second tragedy is that he was a younger child in a family of a bunch of kids who yeah. were who were all abused by their oh. by their father and then proceeded to abuse the younger kids oh. and, you know, put them down, uh, say nasty things about it. He was completely denied his childhood. I mean, he, he started as a megastar, I think, when he was, you know, he's definitely in grade school. He's yeah. like in the second grade or something. Imagine that. And internalized racism, body dysmorphia, depression, anxiety, OCD, like legit OCD, legit depression, drug addiction, eating disorder, possibly medical problems. Uh, There were rumors that he needed a lung transplant and that he was blind in one eye, I heard somewhere. He he had some form of skin cancers. And and then, you know, in that episode in, in 2018, prior to leaving Neverland, I was like, okay, I'm going to do a deep dive on the internet and try to figure out, did he do it? Yeah. And my conclusion was, I couldn't tell. Yeah. There wasn't enough evidence online that I could find. Um, I presented the evidence on the, on the podcast and I provided a conclusion that I was like 60, 40. Yeah. I think, do you remember what you were? Wasn't it like 70, 30 or yeah, something? Yeah, I think you yeah. were higher than that. Because to be fair, even before we did that deep dive, in my mind, he presented, and I don't know if it's, because I was a, a sexual abuser or something. But in my mind, he always presented red flags to me, especially in the 90s and later, where I was just like, that's... I'd always, it always did feel creepy to me after after that time frame. Like, why, why did it feel creepy? Uh, I know this is going to sound like Dr. Drew or something, but like the high-pitched, constant high-pitched voice, the uh, fragility of his behavior, the uh, odd odd behaviors with kids like he was always with kids always with kids and just like that whole thing just always gave me the creeps yeah but we both concluded it's hard to know yeah we have allegations there's reasons why the alleged victims would lie yeah Uh, there's certainly a lot of people on the internet pointing at holes in the stories and inconsistencies and motivations and but we were like "Eh," when you look at it it's like the allegations seem believable. He admitted completely out in the open that he would sleep with several children in his bed. Yep. Even after he had been uh, prosecuted and warned, why would you do that? He was kind of pulling an early Trump there, right? Like, yeah, we, we always do this. Right. <laughs> uh, and the fact that as a clinician, I'm very well aware that the vast majority of people who come forward are definitely telling the, are later right. found to be telling the truth. Right, right. Um, you know, the Weinstein allegations, right. the uh, Bill Cosby allegations. At first you're like, what? And then they, yeah. you, they start coming forward and you're just like, man, why didn't we believe these people when they, yeah, first, yeah. they first came out? It's just weird. Um, and the, the ratio of truthful allegations to false allegations, you know, to get money is astronomically high. Right. Um, there are so f- there are cases where people come forward and lie yeah. for various personal gain or put to, to get back at someone, but those are extremely rare, especially in a situation where you know, as a uh, you know alleged victim, you're going to be punished by Michael Jackson fans for the rest of your life, potentially right. even killed. I mean, there are death Absolutely. threats out there. You know, people who come forward aren't um especially after Jordy came forward in 93 yeah 
Um, anyone who came forward after that would know that they were in for a lifetime of difficulty. Yeah. Um, but there was some evidence that he didn't do it. You know, some of the alleged victims, if not all, were trying to get money. Uh, many people close to him defended him. Uh, yeah, very ardently. Many of who had been kids at the at the time. Right. Macaulay Culkin, uh, Corey Feldman. Yep. And you're just like, huh, well, I don't know. Right. But but I was like, well, 60-40. Who knows? You were like 70-30. Then uh, Umberto texts me a year later, and he's like, oh, my God, leaving Neverland. Yeah. Holy crap. Yeah. And I was like, I thought it was a movie about... Peter Pan. Um, Peter Pan. <laughs> and so I started watching it that night, thinking I'd watch 15 minutes. I almost watched all four hours in that Yikes. in that single sitting, sitting. It because it's an amazing documentary. Just even, I mean, on one level, because the allegations are laid out in a very uh, cinematic way, I guess, yeah. and a very convincing, compelling way. But but also, it's a documentary about the 80s in some yep. ways. Yep. It's a documentary about my childhood. Yeah. I'm watching like behind the scenes of things that I was that I was very aware of as as a consumer. Yeah, like if the context wasn't so horrific, there was this really cool part about it, right? Like seeing like look at those pictures, look at those moments. Oh, I remember that news. I remember the right, right. And so. We were like, okay, well, we got to do an episode. We got to do a follow-up on our first episode of Michael Jackson. And I said in that episode, I was 99.9% sure that Michael Jackson did it based on the uh, seemingly believability of the accounts of Wade Robson and and Jimmy Safechuck. You said something like you were 110% sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, And... uh, so why? Why did why did I think? Why did I go ninety nine? Yeah, I always said you know there's a point one percent chance. Yeah, um, I've heard thousands of people make allegations like this clinically mm-hmm. in my professional life, and there these two people, Jimmy Safechuck and Wade Robson, had all the signs of truthfulness. I won't go into the details. Sometimes people focus on like body language and shit like that. Mm-hmm. It's much more subtle than that. Um, they had all the signs. They were ashamed for years and years and years. Um, they had all the signs of shame. After many years, they told their story in spite of massive negative consequences. Yeah. Like th- there were so many reasons not to tell your story. Um, their stories were extremely consistent with other stories of grooming and mm-hmm. abuse. You know, it. so as other people will say, these two are either two of the best liars who have ever lived. Well, should be doing movies and winning Oscars constantly. Or just really good at conning people, which yeah. is possible. It's that 0.1%. Or they're telling the truth because the way they lay out this story, it, there's so many specifics that unless you were an expert on this topic, you would have a hard time doing it. Now, we'll get into, you know, for those of you who think Michael Jackson was innocent, we'll get to that Evidence sure. in a second, so I'm not yeah. I'm not not going to say that. Um, and also, there were uh, these undisputed facts that Michael Jackson slept with several children over the span of several years. Yeah, and it's not like the it's not like the families said, "No, we never dropped him off to see Michael Jackson," right. or he's never spent the weekend there, or he never, you know. Yeah, and Michael Jackson would say, "Yeah, I sleep with young boys in my bed." Right. So these were undisputed facts. Five. Of the boys, Michael Jackson shared beds with, accused him of abuse. Again, when you look at Harvey Weinstein, Bill Cosby, if one person comes forward, it's like, well, 
who knows? Maybe he did it. Maybe he didn't. Maybe that person's just out for money. But when you see a you know a plurality of people right. coming forward, then you start you know wondering. And here's by the way a cautionary tale. If you're famous, just going forward, just please do yourself a favor. Don't sleep in the same bed with a whole bunch of kids. Just you know. Yeah. Uh, Michael Jackson had uh, vitiligo and uh, all over his body apparently, yeah. and he had some. Uh, some distinctive uh, uh, spots of vitiligo on his penis. And Jordy Chandler drew a picture of that, those markings on the underside of Jackson's penis, and it matched. Mm. Um, so, you know, who knows? It could have been a guess or something. Could have seen him in the shower. Um, the hallway leading into Michael Jackson's bedroom was covered by video cameras, and anyone approaching, it would make a ding-dong sound. So, you know, there's just a lot of things. Not, you know, not a slam-dunk evidence. Um, so, uh, so again, we said that, and then the episode comes out, vile hatred, not just disagreement from people on YouTube, right? Vile threats, attacks, yeah. um, which is weird to me. And Berto, what do you think? Cause I'm trying to figure out why people care so much. Cause you know, you and I talk about a lot of things, Yeah, you know, uh, we might talk about how we believe that JFK was indeed killed by Oswald. Yep. But we're not going to get like a thousand death threats. Why is it that people are so passionate about this? It is puzzling to me, and, and it's sort of this general phenomena that, that puzzles me. Uh, I have attachment to things that I love for sure, but I've never felt that th- there was no line that those things could cross that I would always be faithful to them. You know, like, for example, I, Paul McCartney, you know, talk about the big, if the right information came out from him, I'd still cross that line. I'd be like, sorry, like breaks my heart, but this is the end of the road for me with that. And I don't understand. And so, so the only thing I can conclude is that for a lot of these folks, the love they feel for that, for that, for the music and the man is such that the, the, the evidence definitely doesn't penetrate. And not only that, the appearance of these accusations feels like a personal threat to their childhood, to their memories, to the, what, they, what they love, you know? It's yeah. almost threatening to remove all that they, they love from their life. Yeah, the only personal experience that I can point to that reminds me of this is when I was in college, I had a friend who smoked pot every day. And I had a lot of friends who smoked pot every day in college, but this really close friend smoked pot every day. And I didn't. And he was always trying to get me to smoke pot every day. And he smoked mm-hmm. throughout the day every day, which is fine. You know, what are you going to do? Yeah. And he would come to me and, and he'd be like, oh, you know, you should, you know, you should get into it. And my other friends who were into pot would never try to get me to smoke every day like them. Um, they, would, they would just be like, well, you know, Kirk doesn't smoke all the time like we do. And uh, this other friend, though, was he was frequently you know, we'd be, he'd, he'd, he'd be smoking. I'd be standing right next to him and he'd just be like, I, there was like this tension there with that. And then this one day he decided to smoke and it was sort of bothering me. I was just okay. like, do you have to smoke like in the car when yeah. I'm in the car? Like, yeah. it's, it's not something I want to be doing right now. Like we're driving down the freeway on I-5 uh-huh. and he's, he's like, can I smoke in here? And I was just like, do you have to? And then he proceeded for the next, I don't know, few hours just laying into me. Oh, no. About, I can't remember what he was laying into me about, but. It's like 
anything in a drug or something? anything and everything that was associated with the fact that I wasn't smoking pot. Oh, like you're a hypocrite, da da da, or something. I can't remember what he did, yeah. but but and he was such a good friend, and he was so smart uh-huh. that he he got under my skin, and I remember oh. really just being devastated by his uh, attack. Oh wow! And looking back at it, I think why he did that was because just my non-pot presence Mm -hmm. was threatening. It made him ask questions that he didn't want to ask to himself. Mm. He didn't want to ask himself, is this a good idea that I'm smoking every day? Yeah. Is is it better if I slow down with the pot smoking? Sure. These are questions that were very threatening to him, that were very hard for him. He didn't even want it to be asked. Yeah. And I think that to the Michael Jackson story, I think for a lot of people you know, given in line with what you're saying, they love him and they don't want to ask that question. Do I love someone that did a horrible thing? Mm. But I think it also gets to a, a deeper level of that all of us have been betrayed, harmed, abused, violated. And all of us have defense mechanisms around those violations, mm-hmm. depending on our style, depending on how the level of abuse we've been through, whether we distract or deny or forget or talk about or drink or pot or become a therapist or whatever. We we have a, a pretty elaborate system by the time we become an adult to protect ourselves from the violations that we've experienced, yeah. the, the powerlessness that we've experienced. And the Michael Jackson story obviously triggers that because it, it it's a story yeah. from the pro-guilty side of extreme violation right in front of our eyes. And I think for some people, now, whether or not Michael Jackson did it or not, like I said, we don't know. Right. I don't know. And listeners, you don't know. Unless you're Safe Chuck or, or Robson or one of the other. And you still would only know about your experience. Right. But you would know if yeah. it happened to yeah, you or cer- not. Yeah, certainly you would know if it happened to you, yeah. And so, unless you're one of those people, you don't know, but the story is still there, you yeah. know, or the allegation is still there. And I think it, I think it really kind of cuts to some, some traumas that we all have. And if you're in the camp where you have decided to not ever think about the traumas, to um, not try to remember those traumas, which is a to- perfectly healthy way to deal with it. And and you love Michael Jackson and these people come in and say he's yeah. he's the enemy. I can imagine getting pretty frothy about that. Mm. Do you think that's possible? That's definitely possible. I also think in the defense of some of, some of the folk on this camp uh and maybe for the same reasons, but I do feel that I imagine they would listen to maybe us or 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 listen to the documentary or something and be and in their heads go, I can't believe you sheep fall so easily for this hatred of this man that did only good in his life. And like, and that you would throw away all the good he did for some accusations for, from, you know, people that all they want is money and that they really believe what they're saying. Right. And now the underlying reasons, some of them might be what you're saying. Some of it might be, uh, you know, other things, but, but in the end, they, it doesn't, at all add up in their heads. It's like, they're, they're not going like, 
well, that sounds believable, but I'm still not going to believe it. They're like, that sounds like bullshit. Right. So again, we don't know if he did it or not. And for the people that said, for the people that say he's innocent, you could be right. There's just no way for us to know. Right. We're all a giant jury trying to figure out whether or not someone's guilty or whether or not to rule on, you know, a preponderance of the evidence or whatever, beyond a reasonable doubt. Um, or whether or not it's like, no, it's not beyond a reasonable doubt. Right. It's hard to know. And all of us have to make it. And so if he is innocent in reality and you're a pro-innocent person, then you're right. But the thing that I'm having a, that I'm confused by is the frothiness, is the wrath, is the yeah. death threats. There are a lot of things. You know, there are people who believe the earth is flat. Right. There are people who believe we never landed on the moon. There are people who believe the earth is 6,000 years old, but I'm not going to get all bent out of shape about it. You're certainly not going to threaten them. (laughs) Right. And I'm not going to comment on their YouTube channel and say, uh, I can't believe you're a professional. You're an asshole. Uh, I'm going to report you to the authorities uh, since you're a therapist. Uh, I'm not going to say that. Yeah. Because I don't know. What's the diff? Like, you think the earth is flat. Like, uh, yeah, I think that's weird. There's probably some ancillary issues with that, but I'm not. I'm certainly not going to attack you. And I know that there are plenty of other people like you, so you're probably just falling into that camp, you know? Yeah. So for you people out there who uh, hate either side, just remember, you know, there's a lot of people on either side. Yeah. Just like there's a lot of people who voted for Trump. You, you know, they're not, it's not just like one moron standing on the corner. It's, you know. It's 50% morons. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you. I knew you're going to say that. Uh, no, they're not morons. Uh, people who voted for Trump are perfectly good, wonderful Americans, just like anyone else. And that is a big point that we have to put forth on the internet, which is don't, uh, you know, uh, straw man the other side. Definitely don't attack them. Just take it easy. If you want to make your argument, make your argument, but be nice. Just okay. be civil. I like it. Now, if we were talking about global warming, the end of the earth, maybe get a, getting a little uncivil is justified. But we're talking about right. Michael Jackson. He's dead. You know, it doesn't really affect anything if he's guilty or innocent or if he if the lawsuits succeed. It, it, there's a small set of people yeah. that it will affect. Well, especially because, we, for example, imagine if the side that was saying that he is guilty if we were trying to pass some sort of law to ban all Michael Jackson music, destroy all record of him, all these things, and prevent anyone who listens to him or likes him goes to jail, okay, now it's time to rise up and be angry. Right. Right? That's not what we're saying. No. We're simply saying, I think this and I think that. Right. And we'll get later to the question as to whether or not it's okay to listen to right. his music because I'm on the fence with that too. Let's take a break. and we get back, let's really get into the evidence that he is innocent. What do you say, Umberto? Let's do it. So if Michael Jackson were to ask the listeners to become a patron and he was 80s, mid-80s Jackson, <laughs> early 80s Jackson, what would he say? Hi, everyone. I have a great opportunity for you today. Please do Please become a patron because actually, what the hell is that? <laughs> that doesn't work either. Anyways, yeah, I just want you all to become patrons of the Psychology in Seattle podcast because you 
which is also not at all like, wow, this is a big train wreck. Deserve it. So the argument for it. <laughs> Every single sound I tried to make went terrible. <laughs> God, you know, sometimes I ask you to do things and I instantly regret it. That was, that was one of them. So the argument for his innocence. Now, uh, I watched several pro Michael Jackson documentaries. I read several pro Michael Jackson articles. Um, and what I found was that if you're convinced that Michael Jackson, Michael Jackson is innocent and you watch these documentaries and you read these articles, the do- these things will bolster your belief that he's innocent. Right. But if you think he's guilty, like me, since I'm on the 99% yeah. camp, uh, these documents will not likely change your mind. Uh, so, but let's get into some of their points. Sure. Um, so I'm going to categorize their points into something like nine different categories. Because some of these documentaries, some of the articles, they're pretty jumbled, if I mm. can be uh, a nice word for it. Like, uh, there's people on YouTube that I was watching who are just sort of like ranting and raving, and they have like, you know, millions of views. And it it's not very compelling, quote unquote, uh, sure. uh, points to bring up. So it was hard to like compile all the points but here are the main points one of the main points that pro mj people will say is that the alleged victims and their families uh were all trying to get money sure so they have a massive incentive i mean imagine hey you know if i lie and i and i see this thing through i'll never have to work again for the rest of my life right i'll have millions of dollars yeah and I'll be a celebrity to half of half of the of the world because they'll all believe me and right, hold right, me right. up. And so, and and unfortunately, uh, and unfortunately, MJ was so such a bad judge of character for both the kids and the families that he happened to invite mostly kids and families that would be the kind of psychopaths that would do that. <laughs> you say that in jest. Jordy Chandler, for example, the first to sue him, I believe, got twenty three million dollars in nineteen ninety four. And they uh, and what they'll say. So what you know, anti MJ people will say is they'll say, well, why did he pay Jody Jordy Chandler twenty three million dollars if he didn't do it? Right. Like that seems that's suspicious. That's a lot of money. Yeah. Um, and but what pro MJ people will say is that it was his insurance company that paid the settlement, not Michael Jackson. That his insurance company made the choice based on their own actuarial tables, that it was just logical, pay the money, end the lawsuit. What insurance is that exactly? Is that lawsuit insurance? I don't know. That's a, good, that's a good question. Should I be getting lawsuit insurance? <laughs> uh, I mean, I have lawsuit insurance. It's called malpractice. So oh. I'm, maybe rich people do, famous Weird. people do have insurance. Um, famous people do sometimes get sued for all sorts of things. That are right. sometimes false. Uh, I mean, one example that I can think of off the top of my head that wasn't a lawsuit was Aziz Ansari was accused of uh, sexual harassment yeah. and, by a woman during the Me Too movement. Yeah. And when you actually look at her account, you're like, no, doesn't he, add up. I don't think he sexually harassed you. I think he was a, a total creeper. Or just a dork. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and pushy. Yeah. But he never put you in a position where you were trapped or yeah. anything like that. By the way, uh, rewinding slightly to the uh, payout, uh, 
I still so if the argument is like, well, yeah, but that was the insurance companies, and as we know, insurance companies love to do big payouts left and right. That would almost argue harder against the idea because it's like, no, the insurance company will absolutely not willy nilly pay twenty four fucking million dollars. And they wouldn't want to set a precedent of, no. go ahead and accuse Michael Jackson. Absolutely. Right. But you have to say, this is a point, uh, you know, if you're going to frame it in a certain way, it's, uh, if you're going to believe that Michael Jackson is innocent, um, this is a point. It's like, well, they're all out to get money. And from my understanding, none of the alleged victims mm-hmm. were not trying to get money. Sure. Which, you know, I don't think is that suspicious, but- like with uh, Harvey Weinstein, I think the majority of the women who came forward did not sue him. Sure. So, you know, and and Bill Cosby, I think the same. Another person said that he was attacked because he was so nice, you know, that people took advantage of him in other ways, like in smaller, more insignificant ways. Yeah. And they saw that they could manipulate him and get to him. And so yeah. they would attack him. Um, there's also recordings of uh, Jordy Chandler's father and Wade Robson allegedly saying that phrases like, you know, I'm going to get mine, you know, in sort of this uh, suspicious, okay. so you know, so-called suspicious way. Now, what I'll say to that is that if you were raped, wouldn't you be angry about it a little bit? And might if your child was raped, yeah. might you be a little vindictive in your phrases uh, yeah. as you're talking about and and you know that the criminal courts won't actually do much but the civil court might you're just gonna be like i'm gonna get that fucker you know uh, yep. so it's not unheard of i mean that's that's one of the things that i think is an overarching uh thing when it comes to looking at at the quote-unquote data is that if you don't know what it's like to be victimized in this way a lot of the behaviors might look kind of weird, yeah. but when you know, and you're very uh, familiar with victim psychology and reactivity and how you don't um, typically uh, remember things very well until later, uh, it's it, it. Anyway, number yeah. two, the number two category that the pro MJ people will say, and this is a big one that's mulled over on the documentaries a lot is that Wade Robson in particular, and to some extent, Jimmy, Safe Chucks, their stories have problems. Like Robson, for example, defended Michael Jackson for years, well yep. into his adult life. And yep. so people will say like, so wait a second, you were like 29 years old or however old, and you were an adamant defender of Michael Jackson. You went right. to court. Uh, you're not, you're going to tell me like suddenly at the age of 35, now all these memories come back to you. So that's what they'll say. He never and he never claimed memories came back to him. Right. But even if with that in consideration that they're, they're just like you're you're a liar either way. You either are lying that he did it or you lie that he didn't do it. Right. But if you're going to accuse him of lying in the case that he did do it, then you're accusing a victim who was severely traumatized of protecting his traumatizer. Yeah. So if you if you're gonna keep that against them, then you then you are an asshole. <laughs> but they'll say, look, Robson, uh, in particular, 
was an adamant defender of Michael Jackson. Right. So keep that. Like, I, I'd respect that argument to some extent. Like, look, he denied it for years and years, and now all of a sudden he changed his story. Fine. But don't at the same time say, and if he did do it, you're a liar. Like, well, yeah. fuck you then. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Jimmy Safechuck said that he was abused on a train on a, but this is a big point that they'll bring up is that in his account, Safechuck said that he was abused on, on this. Michael Jackson had this train that like, it was like a Disney world train that went right. all the way around the South Park episode. Okay. And the, uh, fact is, is that at that time at the alleged abuse happened, the train allegedly had not been completed yet. So thus the. Abuse could not have happened on the train. Um, so, you know, if you were in a court of law, that would be a point you would want to bring up if you were the defending attorneys. If like either this person is lying or their memory is so bad, we can't really rely on anything mm-hmm. they're saying. Sure. That's what you do. You poke holes. Sure. Um, now, having said that, are Jimmy Safechuck and Wade Robson's memories flawless. <laughs> uh, there's, there's no way that it's flawless. Uh, Wade Robson was seven, I think, right. when when he was when he was first abused. Right. Um, you out there listening, try to remember like even significantly bad events that happened to you. Yeah. To you, try to remember every single detail. Well, like so, when uh, you were ten years old. So, as an example, okay, so I was five, right? Not seven, but still, uh, and I was abused, right? I don't remember every single detail of every single thing leading up to and after and right. all this. So that's a good example. that it happened. That... So let's let's drill down on that a little bit. So you were sexually abused when you were a kid. Yeah. You were five. Yeah. So if we went to court or the internet and your abuser had a bunch of people on her side right. and we were like, and you went to court and you had to, because when you go to court, you have to like state very yeah. definitively what you can't be like, well, I don't really remember. Right. You got to tell, you got to like say things. Yeah. And memories, as we know, can are highly malleable, but the core of the memories are not usually that malleable. Like being sexually abused is not likely to be changed from being not sexually abused to sexually abused. Right. Being sexually abused on a train as opposed to being in a car or in a, some other part of the compound you can imagine that detail being yep. malleable in someone's mind. Um, but anyway. And, and for example, not even related to to abuse at all, there's a very, very, very big memory I had of this trip I took to visit my mom when I was nine years old. I was nine. I came with my cousin, who was also nine, and with my grandparents. And it was this amazing trip. That would have been in 84. My mom swears... That was 85. And as far as I can tell, it might have actually been 85, which would make me 10. But every memory I have is like, but I was nine. And then when I did the map, but I was going into what grade and stuff. Now I can't tell. And I can't right. go back. I don't have a way to check. Right. Right. So it's it, it's not uncommon. Now, did you go on that trip? Yes. So that global memory yeah. is much more reliable Right. Than the details associated with it. Um, in 2016, Wade Robson said that he was first abused while his family was still at Neverland. But then, um, you know, he said he said it, there's this deposition, this famous deposition in 2016. And he said, quote, I believe it was the night. 
that the, I believe that was the night that the abuse started. That's what he said. So he wasn't mm-hmm. like, it definitely happened. He's right, like, right, right. yeah, I believe that while my family was still there, I believe that's the night. Then in the documentary, Robson said that the family was at the Grand Canyon, if you remember that. Yeah, I remember that. Um, and so like they dropped them off. They left them there. They right. went off to the Grand Canyon. So that's another inconsistency. And if you were on the pro-Michael side, you'd be like, uh-huh. well, both of these can't be right. Right. So your memory is flawed. Again, I think Wade was seven at the time. So, you know, and he was, according to Wade, was abused over several years. Right. So it'd be hard to remember every... I mean, can you remember every single time you've had sex, for example? So, so one of my, my favorite cousins, one of my favorite cousins, Diego, he came over one day to my house that I was living in in Bogota, and I was probably seven at the time, actually. And he comes into the, the room that I'm in, and I look at him, and I'm like, what the... What happened to you? And he's like, what do you mean? You, ch- you changed your hair. You... You had blonde, straight hair. Did you? And he's like, what are you talking about? And it was like dark and curly. No, I've always had the same hair. And I'm like, no, you had straight blonde hair. And I could have sworn to God that this cousin of mine who was older had straight blonde hair. Why? Well, because kids have differing memories. Right. Yeah. Now, if all we were counting on and relying on for Robson and Safecheck were one incident, then we'd have more uh, skepticism. But they had so many stories that match up with the yeah. with the details. Now, now again, getting now for you people out there who are pro Michael, uh, I want to acknowledge that this is this is evidence. And if you are on a jury and you heard this, this doesn't help the prosecution, right? And it's not trivial to for one. For Robson to tell a story in 2016 and then two years later say a completely different – not a completely different story. It certainly but, but would diff- be better if he hadn't had those holes. But a different enough story. Now, where by it's the like, way – sorry, finish. Uh, which could either indicate that your memory is so flawed that you can't really be relied on or you're making – because, you know, when you make stuff up, you forget your lies and da-da-da. I will say if I were – maliciously trying to get money out of a process like this and nothing actually ever happened. Therefore, I wasn't actually traumatized, at least not by Michael Jackson, blah, blah. I would be a hell of a lot more careful and make sure that my stories lined up. Perhaps. Uh, Wade Robson said his memories have, quote unquote, evolved over time. This is a lot from his deposition. So he, you know, so if you, when you look at this account in one in the pro Michael way, it's very suspicious. He says things like the you know because the person questioning him is like, so have your memories changed over time? And Robson would be like, well, my memories have evolved over time. So that's kind of a suspicious statement if you're a pro Michael. You're like, what do you mean your memories have evolved over time? Like that memories are memories. No, you, but I, I look at it the other direction. I know, I know, but just hold on. So it's like. It's it's suspicious, you know, and and if you're pro Michael, it's it, it's 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 a little suspicious, um, but uh, the way he describes it, if you really listen to what he's saying, if you're pro guilty, then it makes it, it's like it's this perfect litmus test for which side of the camp you're on, and and I think that's what might be so interesting about this case is that when you dive into the evidence, if you're pro guilty you're like well i get it 
and especially if you know victims' memories and, and how things happen, you know, the evolution of memory, like, uh, well, like for you, uh, your, have your memories evolved over time? Uh, on almost everything, yes. How so? About being abused. Oh, um, yeah, absolutely. Well, for example, uh, let's start with the fact that I didn't think I had been abused, right? So the right. memories I had of those events to me felt like these neat secret things that had happened to right. me when I was a bit younger. So to, so to put a fine point on it, if I would have asked you at the age of eight, and if you were honest with me, you'd be like, yeah, I had this neat experience with yeah. this with my babysitter. Yeah. Uh, that was your memory of the time. Right. You'd be like, it was this fun, secret little adventure I right. had with this older girl. And then at the age of 22, you might have said something like, um, yeah, this, I don't know, this kind of weird thing happened with this girl. No big deal. Fast forward to age 35, you'd be like, yeah, I think I, you know, I think it was actually not a good thing for my psychology. Right. Fast forward to today at the age of 43, how old are you? 44. 44. You're like, I was absolutely sexually abused, violated, damaged, traumatized. So that's the evolution evolution. of the memory. Another example. Because I I finally did tell my dad about this a few years ago. And uh, he actually barely could. He barely reacted. I don't think he knew how to deal with it. (laughs) Even though he's a psychiatrist. Yes, barely reacted. I I don't even know if he remembers I told him. I don't know. But here's the deal. One of the things I wanted, I asked him, I was like, hey, listen, did we, do you remember when we went to like a beach, like we went overnight, it was like a little trip to the beach and like you and then the other parents, like we rented like this, this little house on the beach or something and we stayed there and it was like, over. and he has no memory of this, but I distinctly remember because when we were there, she was there and uh, although I don't remember abuse happening there, I she was trying to convince me to, to take a shower naked with her. And I was like, ooh, that sounds neat. So we were saying, hey, can we take a shower? And I distinctly remember trying to make a case. Oh, yeah, I want to take a shower. We should take a shower. And I remember them probably because they were like, oh, no. They're like, no, no, no. We're not taking a shower naked. No, whatever, right? Like the adults like put a kibosh on that idea. I distinctly remember that memory. I remember it was like this little trip we took to the beach in this little house. I kind of remember what the room sort of looked like. It was... My dad has no recollection of this. So is that a hole in my story? <laughs> he, no. Did this never happen? It wasn't notable to him. Right. But it was very right. notable to right. you. And so, like, these are examples of, like, like, now, I could be making the whole thing up, right? But my point earlier was, like, honestly, if I'm going to be making up a story to make money, why do I need to change it over time? I'm going to write right. it down, memorize it, and tell the same damn story all the time. So this pro and this pro-guilty rhetoric that Umberto was saying, I want to be clear to the pro MJ people out there, that all we're saying is that the statements made by Robson that his memories evolved is consistent with someone who's been abused and not necessarily consistent with someone who's lying. But if you were a liar, it's slightly consistent with possibly lying. And we just have to acknowledge that as you and I, who believe the alleged victims, we believe their stories, we have to acknowledge that they could be lying. And if you look at a certain angle, this doesn't help the uh, prosecution. Having said that, if you know anything about victim statements and testimony and eyewitness and like uh, victim accounts of their victimization, 
they almost always have details that will change over time because memory is malleable, but the core of it will never change. You know, just again, to repeat myself before moving forward, everyone out there, think about a car accident that you've been in or some similar thing and, and write out the story. Don't just remember it, write it out. Uh, You know, a police officer standing over you going write out every detail. And the police officer is like, what color was the other car? Yep. How fast were you going? What time was it? And and you're and and if you say I don't know what time it was, that raises suspicion. Yeah. Well, how come if it really happened? How come you don't remember the time? So you t- you start taking some guesses about it. Okay, so you write it all out. What's the chance that there's not one out of fifty details on that piece of paper that is factually false? Oh, absolutely. It, it is it is 100%, 99.9% likely that you did not get every detail correct. Right. So to, uh, to claim that one detail is off or that memories change over time is evidence of lying is a misunderstanding of how memory works and how victims' memories work and all that kind of stuff. Now, having said that, again, regardless of all of that stuff, they could be lying. So an example... They, they would be very good liars, but they could be lying. Yeah. As an example, uh, you remember I got in a very bad car accident when I was 18. I was in a passenger seat. Uh, a little bit after the accident, but I'm talking about like <clears throat> uh, a couple weeks or something. My understanding of what had happened beforehand is that we went to a McDonald's, got food, got in the car. We left the McDonald's down this one road... And went straight down that road. Then he slowed his car down, counted down for three, two, one, and then accelerated. We hit black ice and we crashed. That was my memory. And I was like recounting it. And then I think one of the people that was in the accident, the, my other friend, goes, uh, "Well, no, because we because the there's no McDonald's there." I'm like, well, what? No, we we got McDonald's. Like, yeah, but that was before. Like, meaning we had one more stop or something like that. And I'm like, no, what? And I was convinced, like, that was the sequence of events. But there's physically no McDonald's there. Now, oh, Your Honor, you see, there's no McDonald's there. Right. He the was never didn't happen. He was never in an accident. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Uh, Brandy Jackson, Michael Jackson's niece, uh, is a defender of Michael Jackson, as many of the people in his family. And uh, she knew Wade Robson. Michael Jackson's niece is similar in age to Wade Robson. And they, they knew each other when they were when they were children teenagers i think i think they yeah they dated as teenagers and brandy jackson michael jackson's niece said that wade robson cheated on her and lied about it like when he had sex with britney spears that was wade robson cheating on brand brandy jackson according to brandy jackson this is evidence to the pro mj people that wade robson is a liar and thus could lie about anything it's questionable to me a lot of 20 year olds i think you might have been 19 at the time of this will have chaotic relationships and and cheat um and also when you are sexually abused you sometimes act out in sexual ways and maybe wade robson was doing that sorry i just want to make sure i understand is the claim that because he lied to his girlfriend about an affair that he must be lying about the abuse. The claim is that Wade Robson, in general, is, is a, a liar. Is a liar and a, are there more examples? 
uh, not a lot, but you know, that's a big one that they will bring up. Um, they also will point out that Wade Robson was having a quote unquote mental breakdown according to his own words and that he needed money and that that was what led to him, you know, coming forward with the allegations. Now, according to Wade Robson, he was having a mental breakdown because the, uh, the delayed uh, effects of having been sexually abused were hitting him in his later uh, adult life. And if you watch Leaving Neverland, you know, they, they point to all that. Yeah. Jimmy, uh, and the last uh, a big piece of evidence point that they will say that points towards the Wade Robson, Jimmy Safechuck stories as having inconsistencies is that Jimmy Safechuck's allegations are to them eerily similar to a book that was written. So this is kind of weird, and I might get some of the details wrong because it wasn't really laid out very well in the documentaries I was watching. But from what I can tell, there's a guy named Victor uh, Gutierrez who wrote a book in the 1990s completely without authorization from the from anybody after the Jody uh, Chandler, Ale- Jordy Chandler allegations came forward. Uh-huh. And he wrote a book called Michael Jackson Was My Lover. And it was basically a book written from Jordy Chandler's perspective. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, I think he might have read the court case or something and like just pieced together uh, like a bio- an autobiography uh-huh. about Jordy Chandler without Jordy Chandler's approval. You know, I guess anyone can write a book about anything. Right, you know? right, right. Um, I, I'm pretty sure that's, that's what happened. And apparently there are a lot of similarities between Jimmy Safechuck's right. account of what happened to this completely fictional book. Right. Now, the fictional book, I think, is based on the court documents. So there's a chance that there would be similarities because they're, you know, the book is based on Jordy's account and Jimmy's abuse might have been. I mean, because that's one of the things that makes Leaving Neverland believable is that both of their stories, when they actually get what they the grooming behaviors, they have similarities, very similar. Yeah. And when they get to the actual sexual acts, they're almost identical. Yeah. And in a very specific way, yep. um, like this, we won't go into the details, but the ex- the way that Michael Jackson allegedly would have sex with these these boys, what he had a he had a thing, he had a, so, ru- like, he had a routine. This is what humans are like, by the way. So most adult humans have a repertoire of moves that they've learned over the years, and when they go into a sexual congress with someone, they tend to revert to those moves. Every now and then, they might try something new. When this this would be the least surprising thing in the world. Like, I had sex with him. He did what? Whoa, that's the same thing he did to me. Like, I mean, come on. But I think the allegation here is that this book by Victor Gutierrez is a f- book of fiction and, and fanciful in some level. And then it is because, obviously, yeah. he's taken a lot of liberties. And there are like a dozen very specific things mm-hmm. that are, according to the pro-Michael people – just very strange that Safe Chuck, his story would be so similar to this fictional book. Like, and for example, the book said that Michael Jackson would give Jordy drinks mm-hmm. before or in the buildup of the grooming process. Jimmy Safe Chuck also claimed that Michael Jackson would give him drinks. So, <laughs> w- right. So, when you play eerie music and when you say it in a certain tone to a certain audience, this is like, whoa, but it's like, well, 
not really. Like it, even if well, even, it's the opposite. Whoa, for me, it's like whoa, consistent behavior. Well, let's say that the author didn't have access to any of the accounts, and he literally just made it all up. Yeah, uh, the you know, okay, that would be a little weird. It'd be a little weird, it'd but be, it'd but be, not but not that weird because it's not unknown or un, or at least unintuitive to imagine that to groom a child you might offer them booze yeah. you know another one is the book said that michael jackson was jealous of jordy's other relationships and jimmy claimed that michael jackson was jealous of his other relationships now when you again play the eerie music and you say it in a certain tone it sounds very compelling right. that jimmy just copied this book but when but when I say it in my tone, it's well, like, it's not, un, it wouldn't be unusual for an author to make up a detail that was likely to be consistent with many grooming behaviors and many right. uh, relationships like this. And, and it wouldn't be as strange for an actual victim to tell a detail that was similar to the book. I will grant this, though. I'm just going to give it up. If, indeed, this author, in a vacuum, wrote the book with no information from the court or anything like that. He just like made, made up fans, facts on his own. And a lot of those facts happen to match what this other person was saying. Okay, I will look twice at that. That sounds weird. Right. From what you're saying, and I haven't looked into it myself, it sounds like he actually did base it on information from Jordan. Right. So, In which case, then I am completely convinced that it just exacerbates the pattern. So the first thing you said yeah. is what the pro-Michael people will say. I see. And, and this is a big point that they bring up. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so that's number two. It's just So number one is they were out to get money. Number two right. is there's a lot of inconsistencies according to the pro-Michael people. Number three is there's no corroborating evidence or very, very little. There's no eyewitnesses. Um, but I was trying to think like, well, what, what corroborating evidence would there, be? would there be present? Obviously, there wouldn't be DNA yeah. because they slept in the same bed. Um, there wouldn't be witnesses right. because people weren't allowed in Michael Jackson's chamber that had video cameras and an alarm and a lock. And by the way, just I'm sorry. I'm sorry, pro Michael people in this case. Uh, at the very least, your boy done messed up. Why would he? put all those inabilities to have an alibi on the other direction. Right. Right. There are so many easy ways. He could have had, uh, you know, a couple of the servants uh, hang out in the room more often. If you're going to sleep on the same bed with children, I'm just saying, if you're going to do it, which I don't recommend, put cameras facing the bed, make the videos publicly available, and we're done. We're fine. Now, live stream it. Live stream it. Well, they didn't have that back then. But you got to admit... Or maybe they did. You got to admit that there isn't corroborating evidence. We don't have, if you know, we just have the word of these alleged victims, which which is, you know, in a court of law, if you were trying to convict Michael Jackson, would be a problem, which is why Michael Jackson was not convicted in court. I hear you. Again, it's really weird to, to say it because it's like, listen, the only people in the room that whole night were this adult and this child. So, how can we know what really happened? Oh, my God. Right. Uh, 2003, police searched his home 
and they apparently didn't find anything incriminating. Now, to the pro-Michael people, this is like, aha. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But to the, to the pro-guilty people, you're like, well, what would you find yeah. that, uh, that according to the stories, the allegations, right. there were, there wasn't, there, now there were some things that the alleged victims would point to, like yeah. child porn and other kinds of things, other sexual mm-hmm. interesting things. And uh, they didn't find that. They didn't find, I don't think, things like that. But again, if you're Michael, might you scrub that kind of stuff? Sure. Plus, the, even the stuff that they did allegedly say that he had, it wasn't very extensive. It wasn't like he had like a, a giant room full of child porn or anything. Was know? this search by the authorities because of the Jordy case or something? Or? No. And so there are two main court cases. And again, you Michael Jackson scholars might be throwing your phone across the room as I might, I'm probably getting some details wrong. But there was the 90s Jordy Chandler. And then there was another case in the 2000s that I think the state of California just mm. uh, put forth on their own I see. Uh, without necessarily a victim. Uh, that, anyway, 2005, jury found him not guilty of child molestation. Uh, so a lot of people point to that, which again is, yeah. is, you know, a, a tick on the side of, of innocence. Absolutely. There's, uh, in one of the documentaries, there's a long interview with a sound en- engineer that worked at the Neverland ranch and he worked on all sorts of sound stuff all over the ranch and was pretty intimate with the grounds and with Michael Jackson himself and some of the kids. And the interviewer asked this groundskeeper, what do you think of the rumors that Neverland was some sort of house of horrors? So right there. That's a very biased question. <laughs> right. Because, again, now th- what this points to is that the pro-Michael people, they don't really understand the pro-guilty people. Or right. some, some don't, anyway. The pro-guilty people, as far as I know, none of them are saying that Neverland was a house of horrors. If you watch Leaving Neverland... Right. It's clear these kids loved hanging out with Michael. Right. Right. They they were not in a house of horrors. They not only did they love being there and want to go there, but even during the sexual acts, right? They were they, they were. On, they I were, mean, they they felt like they were doing something special. They were on board with it. That yeah. according to their account, they're like, "Yeah, this is great. This yeah. feels good. I I'm with Michael Jackson. Yeah. Um, this feels good sensually. I so like. There, there wouldn't be torture screams and right. children running trying to escape and blood trails on the right. So the interviewer is asking this engineer, you know, what do you think of the rumors that Neverland was some sort of house of horrors? It just sort of illuminates the chasm between these two camps. Yeah. Um, and the sound engineer, he claims that he never saw Michael Jackson abusing the kids. Right. He said the kids didn't seem like they were being harmed. And he says something like, you know, as a father, I can tell when kids are being harmed. These kids did not seem like they were being harmed. So no one, no one could tell I was being harmed. Tell me more. Like there was, if, if, if I think back to my behavior, the only thing, the only thing I remember where I'm wondering why my dad didn't clue into something is that I asked him one time, or he found a note I had written to a classmate, and in the note I said something like, I want to make love to you. And he found this note, and he's like, what's this? What do you, what do you think this means? But that's so easy to like, well, he must have heard this on the, because I, I certainly didn't say, well, that's because the babysitter that's abusing me keeps using that phrase, you know? So 
That's the only time that I think, well, maybe he could have clued in or something. But for the rest of it, I wasn't despondent. I wasn't suicidal. I wasn't depressed. I was a happy child. I went on with my life. No marks, no blood, no nothing, no well, anything. To be specific, if your dad were to be asked, yeah. were there any signs? Did, did you, did you, you know, there, your son's making these allegations towards yeah. this, uh, you know, babysitter, this older girl. Um, you know, did you, did you see, you know, with a skeptical yeah, yeah. air of like, was, you, was it, was his baby where you dropped him off every day? Was that a house of horrors? Right. Did you see any signs? And your dad would be like, no, Absolutely uh, my not. son was uh, giddy to go to her house. Yeah. They seem to have a, a wonderful time together. There were lots of other kids around. Yeah. The older girl seemed she was a very sweet girl. She's yeah. a very. She ha- also babysat the other the my the couple friends' kid. Yeah, there was no uh, bondage things. There was no yeah. whips or chains or yeah, blood yeah. or anywhere like uh, they see. You know, my little boy was, uh, you know, had a great time over there and yeah. and w- was laughing and playing. Yeah. So again, it's a fundamental misunderstanding of what sexual abuse is actually like. Right. That uh, there's this idea that people have that, like, well, Robson, if he was being abused, would be walking around all all kind of hunched over and sad and yeah. shaking and stuff. And it's like, no, I mean, for some, but not for many. Yeah. Okay, so number th- four point that the pro-Michael pe- people bring up is the accusers have a personal vendetta against Michael Jackson. For example, Wade Robson, uh, after Michael Jackson died— really desperately tried to get the Cirque du Soleil gig in 2012. So Michael Jackson dies 2009. Mm -hmm. Do you remember the Cirque du Soleil tour? Yeah. Um, I went to it. I didn't go to it. Uh, I went to it with with, uh, Nicole, actually. Okay. (laughs) And um, it wasn't that great. (laughs) Plus, like, it was in the key key arena. Oh, really? And imagine a dance show. Yeah, that's not the right... In a giant... Arena, I could right barely thing. see what was happening on the. Yeah, and seventy five percent of the songs they played were after nineteen ninety two, and I many of the songs I'd never even heard before. Right, right, right. Like I know every song forward, you know, front to back from nineteen seventy nine to nineteen eighty seven. Uh-huh. Like I know every song, uh, but for some reason they. They played all the millennials. Song. Anyway, um, but so Wade Robson sends this, sends this letter to the Jackson estate. He's like, please, or the Cirque du Soleil people, please, you know, let me be part. Let of me this. be part of it because I was, you know, I'm, you know, I'm the main choreographer associated with Michael mm-hmm. Jackson. This would be a great gig. I'm really excited. And he didn't get the gig. It went to someone else, and then lo and behold, yeah. a right. few months later or a year later, that's when he comes forward with the abuse allegations. Now, doesn't look sure. good for doesn't Wade Robson. It's like right. Wade Robson has a motive. Uh, now, for many of the other people that are the alleged victims or even the prosecute, prosecutors involved, they will point towards, you know, and they'll use those graphics, you know, they were out for in vendetta. They don't really have a case as to why Jimmy Safechuck, why he would have a vendetta against mm-hmm. Michael Jackson. And, and that's another point to bring up is that a lot of the attacks, 99% of the attacks that they will wage against the accusers is on Wade Robson. Mm. He's, 
he's a famous person yeah. and has a lot more out there and has said a lot more yeah. things in, on the camera. A lot of the other people, Jordy Chandler, uh, uh, you know, the other boys who came forward, Jimmy Safechuck included, there's not a lot of attacks on them. Right. And so it's just another point to bring up. By the way, uh, about the Wade thing, I, there's the other counterpoint. And I'm not saying like that also proves it the other way. I'm just saying like you can make the argument both ways because it's like, so yeah, maybe that was the fi- the straw that broke his camel's back for saying, you know what? I've been defending this person all this time, but I remember what happened. And now I don't even get to be part of this thing. Well, I'm going to speak my truth. Right. That's one narrative. Another one is that if you watch Leaving Neverland, you see, they lay it all out, that these stresses, the PTSD, the, uh, the traumas, they just slowly start to build over time. Both of them, if, if I'm remembering right, had had children, had boys of their own. Yeah. And when they were looking at their children, all of those memory, you know, because the, when you have children, you, you kind of, you realize the, the vulnerability right. of, a, of children. And for the first time, you can kind of look at your own childhood and be like, mm-hmm. cause you know, Wade Robson, uh, looked at himself as a voluntary participant. Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah, I, I participating willing. I wasn't abuse. Yeah. I was a willing part. I wanted to have sex with Michael Jackson. I wanted to hang out with him. And in fact, when he broke up with me, I was really sad. Right. But when you have your own child and you look at that child and you look at just how defenseless and how right. how aimless they are and how little they understand of how the world works, yeah. you're like, no, no, no. Right. A seven year old doesn't make a voluntary choice. A twelve year old to be a in a to be in a romantic relationship. <laughs> With a grown man, yeah, uh, and then and then the tenderness he had towards his kid, and then that now again, looked at a certain way, right? Suspicious, doesn't get the gig, boom, makes the allegation. I looked at it another way, and now, certainly, if he was the only one, and you had those, it makes it a stronger right. counter, right? You don't see those; they don't have those allegations for the others. Number five. The interviews in the documentary were shot on different days. This, so you're going to laugh at this one, and I'm already laughing at it. So you know Leaving Neverland documentary. Yeah. They shot it at this house, the interviews, mm-hmm. and they, a year later, uh, did essentially like, uh, what do they call it? Pickups. Pickups. And spliced in the, the pickups. Mm-hmm. And they have pointed to evidence like this this statement was said on a different day because the background looks different and it's, and it's true. I, I believe yeah. them. And the director even came forward and said, yeah, we shot it. Um, that's that interview we shot on two different days and we tried to make it look like it was the same day because yeah. um, we tried to have the outfit look the same yeah. and everything because we just, you know, we wanted it to be consistent. Sure. Um, and what they'll say is, can we believe a documentary that is purposely trying to deceive? You know? I see. Anyway. That's solid, solid proof right there. Right. Six, uh, Wade repeatedly said positive things about Michael Jackson well into his adulthood. I already said that. Um, Robson shot a video, uh, a, like a music video at Neverland, and he thanked Michael Jackson in the credits. They point towards that as evidence that Robson was lying, which is, you know, not a strong evidence. Number seven, uh, what they'll say is, why would Michael Jackson do something so stupid? So this is actually a big... 
uh, piece Wait, of that. Yeah, they'll be like, Michael Jackson knew he was being scrutinized, particularly after the first lawsuit or, you know, whatever in, with Jordy Chandler in 1993. Because yeah. that was early. Yeah. 1993, that, you know, yeah. the, the shit that we're talking about, a lot of this has happened, happened way after Jordy, right? Right. Why would, he was such a smart guy at, in a lot of other arenas. How could he possibly be that stupid? He couldn't, why would he do that? And, you know, with all the different things happening, you know, one person said wow. that Michael Jackson, <laughs> this one guy said, Michael Jackson was extremely careful about breaking the law regarding the drug cocktail that his, now this is what this guy <laughs> this was saying. This is a great defense. Right. <laughs> I see where this is going. <laughs> he was like, he was extremely paranoid about getting in trouble for uh, pushing medical limits around the drug cocktail that his doctor was giving him. Mm-hmm. And he dotted all his I's and crossed all of his T's and really made sure that he wasn't mm-hmm. going to get caught. And but he w- didn't set up cameras all through his hallway with bells and make sure that he had plausible deniability. Yeah. And uh, anyways. And we're to believe, you know, all the kind Number eight is some of the boys that Michael Jackson did sleep with have come forward and said that he, Michael Jackson did not indeed molest them. Corey Feldman, Macaulay Culkin. Yeah. They'll point towards that a lot as well. It's not evidence that he didn't do it, but it's it's a, you know, a character, it would be one of those character, character witnesses, witnesses that you yeah. bring up. On. Number nine. In the and, last, and sorry, and one could argue, one could argue, well, look, Macaulay, who was already famous, and he has no, he didn't need the money, he didn't need the fame, so he had no incentive. And whoa, coincidence, he has no accusation. So therefore, you see, when you do have the incentive, you make the accusation. When you don't have the incentive, you don't make the accusation. Right. Number nine, the last one, family members and lots of famous people don't believe the accusers. We're already laughing at this one. But this is a big point that they will put in the documentaries, that um, several family members have uh, come forward on the record on these documentaries saying there's no possible way Michael Jackson could have done this. Um, I was with him a lot. I was with him around kids. There's just no way. Uh, Donald Trump has stated uh, prior to him becoming president, that he doesn't believe the accusers. Um, and this is from Wikipedia. Barbara Streisand. You, you didn't really just use DT as a character witness. <laughs> they did. Oh, my God. These docu- these documentaries. Oh, wow. By the way, I watched one of them. Yeah. I, I, well, I tried. I, used, I they used Donald Trump as, as, a, oh uh, as a character witness. Oh, my God. From Wikipedia, Barbara Streisand spoke in Michael Jackson's defense, saying his sexual needs were his sexual needs, and that the accusers, I think this was after leaving Neverland, I think this was recently, and that the accusers in leaving Neverland had uh, had been thrilled to be with him. Wait, wait. His sexual needs were his sexual needs. That's a defense? And that these boys were thrilled to be with him. So how could they have been abused? She goes, she added that the accusers were both married, and they both have children, so it didn't kill them. And that's listed as a defense? Yeah. But that's that's her saying, yeah, he did it, so what? Right. That's yeah. a, a full Mulvaney. Yeah. I, I've had, uh, I have a great respect for Barbara Streisand. I grew up with Barbara Streisand in the 70s and 80s. Reading this passage, I'm like, it, what? It didn't kill him. She must have been abused, and it didn't kill her. I mean, wow. yeah, his sexual needs were his sexual needs. Look, it, it, uh, we all have needs. 
And and she says, you know, hey, both these guys, Wade Robson, Jimmy Safechuck, they're both married with child, children, so... They're fine. They're fine. They're going to be fine. Walk it off. Walk but, it off, bitch. Barbara Streisand later apologized and expressed sympathy for the accusers after her agent came to her oh and said, God. your career is going to be over <laughs> oh if you God. don't say something. Um, okay. I love the, um, you know, like... You know why uh, Cosby's wife came to his defense. Right. Uh, family members come to Ted Bundy's defense. Yeah, it's like exactly. I mean, it's not, but that's a big point that these. So, so again, I just want to tell everyone. I looked at all the major documentaries, and while I was watching them, I wrote down every point they made, and then I categorized all the yeah. points. So, if you watch the documentaries, they make it much more slick. Yeah, and they'll provide more details. Yeah, but this is what they're saying. One, the alleged victims and their families lied to get money or, you know, they were incentivized to get money. Uh, That's not evidence of innocence, but it's evidence as to why someone would lie or it's a, you know, incentive. Two, the Wade and Jimmy, their stories have problems. And this is where a lot of the focus is. And, Mm -hmm. you know, there are some inconsistencies, the book coincidences. Three, there's no corroborating evidence. Again, that's not evidence of, of innocence, but... It doesn't help the prosecution. Number four, the accusers have a personal vendetta against Michael Jackson, Wade in particular, for not getting the Cirque du Soleil gig. The timeline is a little, you know, if you're on this pro-Michael side, a little suspicious. Number five, the interviews in the documentary of Leaving Neverland were shot on different days. That's not a very good point in my mind. If you understand how... uh, Famous documentaries are made. You understand that uh, things are like that. Um, Number six, Wade repeatedly said positive things about Michael Jackson well into his adulthood. Again, if you watch Leaving Neverland, you understand why someone would do that. And if you understand people who are abused. You know, actually, let me drill down on this before I – well, I'll just review the rest. Number seven, why would Michael Jackson do something so stupid? Number eight, some of the boys – that slept with Michael Jackson did not, you know, came forward and said he never molested me. Number nine, family members and famous people have come forward saying they don't believe that Michael Jackson did it. Let me go back to this other point because something just occurred to me. So for those of you who don't really understand, so Wade Robson did, so to, 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 to talk about his adult life, Wade Robson, yeah. he not, he went to court in the 2000s and went on record under under uh, prosecution, cross-examination. <clears throat> yeah. cross and under oath. And under oath. And repeatedly said, Michael ja- I slept in Michael Jackson's bed right. for years. He never did this to me. He never would do this to anyone. He, never, he was never inappropriate. He never touched me. It was completely innocent. He's a great guy. I, you know, I, no, I don't believe you know, these stories. It's ridiculous. Oh, under oath on camera, in written, for years and years and years. And not only that, but when he would be interviewed about Michael Jackson, he'd be like, he's a great guy. You know, I I look back on those years with fondness. Okay. So one, uh, so I have an experience like this, and it never really occurred to me until I was prepping for this episode. I'm not going to go into specifics (laughs) for obvious reasons, but... I have been in a situation like this, not sexual abuse, but emotional abuse from a person who was, um, had a lot of power mm. in 
the community and had a lot of power over me. And I had uh, positive experiences with that person. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of wonderful times that I had yeah. with that person. But the person was also abusive, and, and I knew it. And it was over the span of many, many years, and I was in therapy, and the therapist would be like, that's abusive. Oh, man. And I'd be like, oh, okay. And if you, uh, and people did, they would ask me, you know, questions about this mm-hmm. person, and I would talk in glowing terms about that person. Right. So if you, if you recorded all those things, and you looked at all of it, and you'd be like, Kirk loves that person. Yeah. Kirk is very into that. They're, and of course, Kirk was never abused by that person because- Listen to this. Listen to all this stuff. And yeah. look at all the effort that Kirk is putting into helping that person and da 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 well, I'm here to tell you that I was abused. And the, uh, but I'm not in a court of law. I'm not accusing right. this person. I'm not asking for anyone to believe me. I don't care because yeah. I know what happened. And uh, yet, and, and I'm a strong, and I'm an adult at this yeah. time, you know, and I'm a therapist. Right. And I should know better, quote unquote. And right. I have resources and I have allies. Right, and right, right. But, when you're in a situation like that, it's so much easier for you, the, right. the victim, to just not say it. Mm-hmm. It's so easy to just be like, uh, no, I'm not going to bring it up this time. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're a great person. Great, great person. Because in some ways they are. Yeah. Just like Wade Robson, Jimmy Safechuck, particularly Wade Robson, he would look at Michael Jackson and say, yeah, there's some wonderful things about Michael Jackson. Yeah. He helped my career. He's a beloved artist. Um, I had a, a romantic and sexual relationship with him in which I was in love with him when I was a child. Like, <laughs> there's a lot of wonderful things about him. Yeah. Um, you're not necessarily going to break down crying going like, I can't believe you just asked me that question because, right. you know, things are complicated. We've had people on the podcast who have talked about being sexually abused by an adult when they were children. Mm-hmm. And for some of these people, they will talk about that person with a lot of affection. Mm-hmm. When you ask, if you just ask them, what do you think about them? Oh, that person was great, nice, you know, taught me a lot about life. When we, I, I don't know if you listened to this episode, but I, I did an episode about a guy who was in a sex cult. Yeah, I did. And it was, it was like that. Right. John yeah. is his name. And John would talk about his, yeah. his sexual abuser as the only person who really listened to him. Man, like as an example, so even though I was so little and stuff, even to this day, like if if someone asked me, but certainly back then or whatever, it's like, what do you think of this babysitter person, right? Uh, I mean, the, the main things I would say, even now would be like, well, look, she was, other than the fact that she abused me, she was always very nice to me. Yeah. <laughs> she was a good babysitter. Like, it's kind of odd to say, right? And and certainly- But that's the nature of grooming <laughs> to abuse right. rather than jumping out of a bush and abusing right, right, right. is that to groom you become in some ways legitimately attached right because there was nothing ever scary or like oh i can't, i don't i don't want to go over to no it was always like oh i'm so excited to go over to and so yeah like i at the time certainly i would have spoken in glowing terms about her and even to this day, the only thing I'll say is like, if, if anything, I feel so bad for what may have happened to her that caused her to to act out in that way with with us little ones. But 
man, so I can totally relate to that idea of speaking in glowing terms about something, and yet the facts are the facts. So in conclusion, I don't know if he did it or if he didn't do it. (laughs) Um, I don't know if he did it or not. And everyone out there, including you and Berto, neither do you. Nope. None of you know if he did it or if he, you know, didn't do it. No one will ever know, probably. And we just have to live with that. Um, If it happened, it would look like this. If it didn't happen and they were very good liars, it would also kind of look like this. And I think they should join, like they should be cast in movies because they're so good actors. But you get my point. Yeah, I get your point. That if it happened, it would look like this. If it didn't happen and they're lying and they're extremely good liars, which, you know, if you're going to get millions, you'd have motivation to, to be coached, you know, then it could possibly look like this. So the same data could could be attributed to innocence and it could be attributed to guilt. It just comes down to beyond a reasonable doubt. And that's why we have juries yeah. because it's not a science. It, you, ha- you know, it takes humans to look at all the data and go like, well... Beyond a reasonable doubt? Yeah, he did it. No, not beyond it. I believe in innocent until proven guilty. There's yep. not enough There's not enough evidence for me to convict him, and therefore I have to assume he's innocent. Right? I, I'm going right. to choose to believe he's innocent. And we just all have to accept that, people. Everyone has to accept. None of us know. But that doesn't mean that we're on the side of perpetrators in general. Right. It doesn't mean that we're not going to believe victims when they come forward. It doesn't mean that victim stories should be discounted. Well, and it doesn't mean that you can't actually pick a side in this case. Right. Like for me, I believe those two accounts and that's what I believe. Yeah, me too. Uh, but I'm not, I, I wouldn't like bet my life on it, right. for example, because I wasn't there. I don't know. Yeah. But in terms of, you know, like I don't know that you were sexually abused. Right. You could be lying. Yeah. But I believe you. Yeah. And I'm 100 or 99.9% sure that your story is accurate. Right. I, I wasn't there. You I don't there. know. It's impossible to know. But it, maybe you, I imagined the whole thing. Yeah. But you had all the trappings right. of truthfulness. That, you know, you've told it from various different angles. You, you talk very quickly about it. You uh, don't really have any reason to make that sort of thing up. Um, yeah, my there, dad doesn't remember that we ever went to that one place. There's a lot of reasons why you wouldn't want to bring it up. Yeah. You know? Anyway. So there's a poll on the internet. What percentage do you think of people believe he's guilty? At this point? Yeah. Is this worldwide, U.S. kind of thing, whatever? I think it's worldwide. If it's worldwide, I'd be like surprised if it's more than 40. Uh, So what percentage would you say? Like 40%. Oh, 41%. Oh, so good. What percentage (laughs) think he... So the two other categories are don't know and he's innocent. What percentage do you think? Um, so percentage don't know is, let's say 40, is a 20, 20, 30% don't know. And the rest are, uh, so 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30. 30. Uh, close 40% don't know mm-hmm. and 19% believe he's innocent. Okay. Oh, so that's lower, lower than I thought. Okay. So a pretty small percentage, one out of five people at this point sure. after leaving Neverland, uh, believe that he's innocent. But a majority. So what's the other percentage? So forty percent believe about forty percent believe he's guilty. Oh, and nineteen. Yeah, sure, and sure, about forty sure, percent yeah. say they don't know. Yeah. So the forty percent that say they don't know are people like the way I used to be yeah. before leaving Neverland, where I was like, 
Well, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, there's, you could, I could see it going either way. Yeah. Which essentially is saying it could have happened. Yeah. So I would say the most people either believe it happened or it could have happened. Yeah. And very few people are like, never, there's no way. So on Facebook, I asked, you know, do you think he's innocent or guilty? And only one person on Facebook believed he was innocent. Oh, interesting. So, Different audience. <laughs> so, so we have a very uh, skewed audience. And right. I, I don't know why that would be. I think there's a few reasons. One, that anyone who's pro-Michael probably was so turned off by those past episodes that they stopped listening. It could be. Because... Selective uh, exclusion. <laughs> yeah. So we had like a bottleneck yeah. in, in the evolution of the listeners. The other is that our listeners are much more likely to be much more aware of sexual abuse right. and the trappings of truthfulness of victim stories. Yeah. And they're also much more likely to be sympathetic towards people who come forward. Sure. But anyway, so, so one, it could be a bias there, but right. Yeah. So only one person thinks on Facebook that Michael Jackson is innocent. I'm just going to read her or their account. Uh, her name's Burgett. She, you know, she posted he or she mm-hmm. posted under their name. So I'll, I don't, anyway, they say, I've invested years of research into this and I'm a clinician as well. Testimony. There was testimony. There is a court case. Read, think. This is a public lynching, not a court case. So I'm not really quite sure what any of that means. This is not a case of Cosby and R. Kelly, where accuser after accuser has come forward. Two cases in his lifetime, which given his wealth and fame is interesting. Where were the others? Um, there weren't exactly just two allegations, but... Well, also, the Cosby stuff just happened finally. Right. <laughs> like... It took all this time for any of these things to come up. Right. We live in the shadow of the dark side of the Me Too movement, where every accusation is taken for granted. Um, and, you know, there's, there's some truth to that. I don't think it, we could say that every accusation is believed by any means. And I, we still live in a world where the vast majority of accusations are never voiced. Yeah. I mean, I get people who email me all the time talking about being sexually abused, and they will say, I've never told anyone, right, right. Uh, particularly the police. Uh, they go on to say, most, most survivors of, of abuse tell the truth. Some don't. Why are we so uncomfortable with that? So that's not a bad point. It's just like, you know, it's, it's plausible that someone could be telling the lie. Someone could be lying. Wait, wait, but... Most, the the point being made doesn't make too much sense for the overall point because it's, the, the they're using survivors of abuse. Yeah. Uh, but I think they mean most people, people most accusers are, accusers are telling the truth, but some accusers are okay, not telling the truth. If we're saying survivors, that's yeah. very big. We want to react with emotion because trauma and abuse are horrific. We are emotionally manipulated into going with our limbic system and we ignore the facts out there. There are some who have worked tirelessly to bring those facts, and they have been given the cold shoulder by the media. Why? Why were those people canceled from major networks? So I'm not exactly sure what they're referring to, but yeah, this does make some sense. There are people who are, the documentaries coming forward, pro-Michael, they're not um, exactly held up by the mainstream media or mainstream America. Have you seen the quality difference, by the way? Because yeah. I, I try to get through one of the main big long ones, 
And I'm like, well, at least hire someone to do your videos. Well, but there's at least two of the pro Michael documentaries that are at least uh, publishable on TV. Like mm-hmm. they're they're not nearly the quality of yeah. Leaving Neverland, but anyway. Um, so you know that that is something to say, but uh, I don't know. He was found not guilty in the Arvizio on the Arvizo case, and if you look at the court documents or read Aphrodite Jones's book, you know why. So yeah, uh, being found not guilty in court is like OJ, absolutely. It well, is is a thing. Their stories, as told in the documentary, are full of disproven things. So. It depends on what you mean by full of disproven things, but, you know. There are things that don't match up. Right. The famous train station Safechuck was abused in didn't exist until years later when he said the abuse had ended. It goes on and on and on. So that's what that person said. And, again, before me deciding to do this, I would mostly just kind of glance over those comments. It was, mm-hmm. Now I understand what they're what they're getting at. Again, they're looking at the data... Uh, that points toward Michael Jackson innocent, being innocent, and and it's resonating with them, mm-hmm. and they're like, oh, okay, yeah, I yeah, convincing. To other people, they see the same data like me and you, and yeah. we're like, eh, yeah, not convincing. Yeah, we're not talking about idiots and smart people. We're talking about your own take on the data. Yeah. When, again, if you've ever spent any time on a jury where there's some debate there, you realize that, whoa, not everyone interprets the same data in the same way that I do. And we do, and I think that's a big part that we have to understand is like the way that you interpret the data is not the way to interpret the data. It's your way. And you might share it with a percentage of people. Sure. But it's not the only way. There's a certain narcissism to uh, the reactivity of just like, you're a complete fucking idiot for looking at the same data and interpreting it in the other direction. Sure. There's a certain level of, of narcissism of just like, well, my way of interpreting data is the best way, is the only way. And you, you just have to be humble about, this is your interpre- interpretation of the data. Now, a lot of people might nod their heads when you tell your interpretation of the data. And your interpretation of the data might be based on some very sound principles of sure. detecting truthfulness. But it's still an interpretation. It's a, it's a guess. Yeah. And you just have to say, I'm not the center of the universe. Other people are going to look at it differently. And you have to accept that. And you can't narcissistically overpower other people. I will say one narcissistic thing. Right. At the very least, at the very least, Darwinianly, he fucked up royally after the first lawsuit. He could have saved himself a shit ton more accusations and sideways glances if he just changed his fucking behavior. So grow up, stop sleeping with kids in your bed in, in, yeah. in closed rooms, and stop that. Just stop it. Yeah. You could have, he could have still hung out with kids at the ranch. He could still have families over. He could still play with kids all day long. Just don't sleep with them at night in, or don't be alone with them in your yeah. bedroom. Um, the response to her by someone named 
uh, that I'm not going to name because I already said that this person uh, was a little harsh. Firstly, so this is an example of the fight that goes online. So this is in response to the person who is pro-Michael. Firstly, you are so caught up in the conspiracy theories that you can no longer see the truth. You should look up the term cognitive dissonance. You will earn a great you will learn a great deal about yourself and why you choose to focus on anything else other than Michael Jackson and his true behavior. Secondly, you say you are a clinician. If that's true, I'm sorry, but you just cannot be a very good one if you see uh, if you've seen ne- Leaving Neverland and refuse to believe the men because of your own projective image onto the pop icon. I'll bet it hurts too much to realize the truth. It sure as hell did to me. Get your head out of your butt and research this topic properly and not the scam-umentaries you watch on YouTube. Leaving Neverland was an eye-opener to the world. So after that, I said, let's keep it civil. Let's be civil. We're all friends here. And then she said, what about that is is not being civil? I don't know. Get your head out of your butt. Uh, you say you're a clinician. If that's true, I'm sorry. You cannot be a very good one. I, I don't know. That doesn't, that doesn't sound very civil to me. Yeah. Um, just going over some other people. Uh, top fan Susie. So do you know that Facebook has this thing called Top Fan? Yeah. I've seen it. Top Fan Susie. I'm, I'm a top fan on a couple pages and I didn't oh. realize it. Like what? Uh, ben Queller, he's a musician that I like, and uh, I think. There's... Don't you know him personally? Yeah, yeah. Uh, top fan Susie says, "Guilty. Great, nice, and talented people are capable of evil things." I commend the survivors for saying their truths. I still love his music, though. Right. And Andy, guilty. He has the same grooming behaviors as many sexual offenders. Top fan Annie, guilty. I originally just thought I was picking up. The vibe that I think the survivors got from get from abusers. Yeah. Then I watched Leaving Neverland and I was like, oh Jesus, yeah, he did it. Yeah. Top fan Marie. That, that's funny. That's exactly my experience. Yeah. Top fan Marie. Guilty. I think he never grew up in his mind and didn't think he was doing something wrong, so he felt innocent. So we talked about that yeah. in the second episode. Oh, and by the way, I don't know if I said it enough. My heart bleeds for what that little boy, Michael Jackson, went through. Right. TR says, guilty. Too many people with the same story, kind of like Bill Cosby and all of his victims. Jan or Jan, guilty. The documentary sold me. The guys in there are too believable. Louise, guilty. The accounts given by the guys on the documentary feel genuine and include so many of the characteristics of grooming and abuse. Rebecca, guilty. Really, what adult has kids that are virtually strangers stay for sleepovers? He pretty much ticks all the boxes for grooming techniques to isolate the kids from their family so that he can have easy access to them. Um, Marianne, I believe, I wanted to believe he was innocent for a long time, but I no longer think he is. Sarah, guilty. His victim's account, the, his victim's accounts seem real and credible. Brad, to be honest, it's a hard one. So this person was sort of on the fence. Yeah. To be honest, it's a hard one. I'd like to see the presented evidence and testimonies in their entirety beyond what news sources have shared during the trials so really, so I could really come to a conclusion. Yeah. Scott, guilty of some, but not all. But yeah, he was a flawed genius. Top fan Lisa. Top fan Lisa. I was undecided until I watched the documentary. Unless the two survivors that tell their story are the best actors that have ever lived, then this is my point. Then there's no doubt he's guilty. 
top fan Bronwyn. Good old Bronwyn. Yeah. I've, I've thought a lot about Wade and James. Watch the Daco twice. So in Australia, they say Daco. Daco. Put another Daco on the Barbie. So in Australia, they have a lot of those kinds of words where they reduce Daco. them to these. Yeah. Um, Combo. <laughs> in fact, leaving Neverland was how I found psychology in Seattle. I was looking for people who believed Michael Jackson to be guilty. I believe Wade and James tell the truth. I have enormous respect for their courage. I am also in their debt, in their debt tangential, tangentially, as they led me to my people, psychology in Seattle. Uh, confirmation bias. <laughs> but that's interesting, though, that, that Bronwyn found us through that Yeah, episode, that is interesting. Which means that she's only been listening right. for at least a year or something. Because I actually thought that she was around yeah. before that. Okay. Top fan Tasha, which we, she was yeah. De- Desdemona during our yeah. 11-hour episode live show. She says, guilty. I haven't watched Finding Neverland, but I listened to your review of the documentary and the review on real crime profile. That's another Mm -hmm. thing. He does seem like a textbook abuser. He was just very rich and he was very popular. Uh, Penny Allen, my friend from college, which I, whom I didn't know, listened to the podcast or was on Facebook. (laughs) Awkward! She says, guilty. Shimon. <laughs> Watch the two-part documentary. Watching the two-part documentary made uh, by his users uh, convinced me I'm sold. Makes me a little ill to hear his music. I would never play it if I were a DJ and knew the story. And lastly, Joe says, guilty. I was a big fan in the 80s uh, during the thriller per- period. I was abused and really didn't want to believe that I was a fan of an active pedophile. But yes, I believe he is guilty. When you are a survivor, you can see other survivors. Hmm. So I think that's another reason why people get real frothy about this, is that if you are a survivor, like yourself, like when you watch Finding Neverland, Leaving Neverland. Yeah. Leaving Neverland? Leaving. Finding Neverland is a different movie that is actually about about Peter Pan. (laughs) When you saw the documentary, it hit home for you. Yeah. In a very personal way. Right. You were crying. Yeah. You've, it was very hard to watch. You felt for Robson yeah. and, and Jimmy. You were with those guys. Oh, yeah. And the, and the, the way they lay out the story, and we're all kind of responsible because we were, yep. we were watching this happen in real time. Yeah. He, he was, if he did abuse these kids, he was flaunting them. In front of everyone's faces. And it's, as a, as a fellow survivor, you're like, you feel... Um, solidarity with these two guys. So if you are a survivor of something like this, you feel an extreme, you know, connection with Wade and Jimmy. I mean, I I think I I recall telling you that I, I left the bar. I I was listening to part of it at a bar and I left and I got in my car and I broke down sobbing so hard. Yeah, no question. So if someone comes out and says, you're an idiot if you believe this documentary. You could see how that would be very challenging sure, yeah. to your solidarity vibe that you have. Right, right. And also, you could perceive it as they're attacking your credibility. Hmm, interesting. You know? Yeah. Like, do you feel that when people attack this? No, do you feel like they're... This is going to sound really fucking arrogant, but um, I actually lately, I've just, I'm feeling very sad for a lot of people. 
with not just this topic. How is that arrogant? Arrogant isn't because I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm implying that I'm smarter than them, and so I see the data better, better or whatever. But my point is that I'm feeling really <laughs> I've sad I've been saying for the same sentiment for years. Am I arrogant? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I feel sad for people that deny global warming. I feel sad for people that look at the facts in our politics oh, and in Britain right now. I like and it. Deny. And I feel sad because I'm like... Have I influenced you in any way around this? Probably, I'm sure. Because uh, this is the yeah. best perspective, I think. Yeah. Not only is it accurate, but it also helps us to move forward. Yep. But I mean, not to, not to pity like, oh, you little pitiful, no, sad no, no. I just feel sad because I also feel sort of like I don't know how to move that needle. Uh, and Compassion. Do you have compassion for these people? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. It's just that at the same time, I, I, I see how from their perspective it would come off as arrogant. Like, you arrogant dick. You think you've got the right perspective. But, well, that's how I feel. Oh, that's the arrogant part. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So in conclusion, we need to do uh, whether or not Michael Jackson did it or not is irrelevant to the larger picture here. We need to we need to raise awareness about sexual abuse. We are nowhere near where we need to be in terms of yeah. our ability to talk about it, our our messages that we give kids, our legal system, our counseling system, everything. We need to generally believe allegations from from people who come forward and particularly kids. Yep. So many kids, so many clients that I would talk to as adults would tell me stories about how they came forward and were not believed. They came forward. Yeah. And they, they were not believed. Yeah. In fact, I think even in the documentary, Wade and Jimmy, at least one of them said something to someone and they were like, oh, come on. I don't remember that. But anyway, we, we generally have to believe allegations from kids. It doesn't yeah. mean we have to rush forward and lynch the, uh, the accused. No. But it does mean we have to realize that most people who come forward are telling the truth and that if we react in a, in a bad way or even in a natural way, we might suppress. I mean, just like un, unbelievable, the documentary or that documentary, but unbelievable, the, the TV show, show yeah. on Netflix uh, lays that all out. Yeah. It's like, well, I'm I'm a detective. I was just questioning her, and she eventually recanted a story. It's like right. that's a fundamental understanding of what it's like to be a victim and yeah. what it's like to be under cross examination by a police officer. And, and by the way, this is this what you are saying right now is part of the reason why I've previously said that I, I'm against the sort of the the knee jerk cancel culture uh, aspects where. Someone makes an accusation online, everyone jumps on and starts uh, threatening those people, threatening their lives, threatening their families, threatening we should all cancel their shows. Because uh, think about this, with all these documentaries, all this evidence, all this thing, and we still can't, we're, we're still not sure what happens, right? What I respect is uh, let's not denigrate anyone that comes forward. Let's let them have their day in court, not our court, like court. And... Um, you know, if people come forward and they and they put some some allegations and they're no longer able to go to court, like in the case of some of these Harvey Weinstein's or things like that, that's a time where yeah, we should all decide if we want to patron that person or not. And that leads us to the questions of: Do we keep throwing money at people that you know? Well, again, the, or to highlight a point that I think is good is that the context has to be taken into consideration. So with Harvey Weinstein, for example, uh, to my knowledge, has not been to court yet. Uh, he, he has now, but... Oh. Yeah. But even before he went to court, yeah. we still, quote-unquote, canceled 
him yeah. in our in our culture. Yeah, uh, and I think that's right. Right. Uh, so we didn't have confirmation from a court or a jury or anything. Right. There was enough evidence there, I think, to yeah. to say nope. He's. I don't care what the court right. says. Totally. But he's, that, he's that wasn't one tweet, and then all of a sudden. Right. So that's know. the point. Is like, just be. You know, there's a there's a context. There's a there's a gradient to yeah. the uh, gestalt of the information upon which we should react accordingly. Yeah. With the Harvey Weinstein, with the Cosby, there's so much overwhelming evidence. And also a lot of experts looking at it from all these different angles, the consensus is they're guilty. Yeah. So as, as an example, a counterexample, imagine if the, law, the lawsuit hadn't happened with Michael Jackson, he hadn't paid 24 million, none of that ever happened. One day, Wade Robson gets denied something. He comes out with an accusation, and then 60, 70% of people jump on, on board, cancel MJ's you know, music. And so, yeah, okay, that's extreme. Good. And that happens sometimes. Yeah. Uh, I was talking with a friend of mine, a friend of ours, actually, who I'm, I won't say, and he was saying that he, uh, someone asked him online or something like, you know, do you think this person, you know, can you believe this? And it was just, it yeah. was like one of those cases where it was just one allegation. Right. And he was like, well, uh, it sounds bad and it could have happened, but I, I'm going to reserve judgment until I get more right. data. And then he was, uh, was just summarily attacked right. by people saying like, um, you're enabling, yeah. you're enabling the abusers, enabling, yeah. you're not sensitive to survivors and that's the stuff that we have to slow down. We also just have to stop attacking each other uh, in general. There's no reason to be attacking each other if you believe Michael Jackson is innocent. There's no reason to attack each other if you disagree with people who, who are saying Michael Jackson was guilty. It doesn't impact you at all. Yeah. If you believe Michael Jackson was innocent and you want to continue wearing the sparkly glove and the, the red jacket and the you know all the outfits and listen to music and love him i I will not denigrate that at all right you know that's you man in the grand scheme of things again the point here is we need to raise awareness about sexual abuse we need to protect victims we need to change our legal system we need to change our culture we need to change the way we uh parent our kids we need to change the way the the messages about sexuality we tell our kids uh, we need to also change the way that we view celebrities. Harvey right. Weinstein, Cosby, Michael Jackson. What's the similarity? They're all massively famous. We all we all want something from them. Right. We all want to be. We all want to touch the greatness, you know. And so that allows those sorts of people to uh, have a certain level of power. You know, would those families had have have left their little boys alone with a random stranger? No. no. But they did leave him, leave them alone with Michael Jackson because they wanted to touch greatness, particularly the Robson family. That's right. um, we need to look for signs in our in our you know circle. Uh, we need to stop enabling those in power who abuse people. We need to improve training for law enforcement. We need to improve our media system. We need to reach right. out to perpetrators. Imagine if someone, if our society was completely different a right. uh, hundred years ago. And we had a robust, non-judgmental system that you could just anonymously call someone up or go to a therapist. But you know what? I, I have these impulses to have sex with kids. And, right. 
and I love kids and I, I don't, I don't want to hurt them. Right. In fact, I did this one thing the other day and I'm wondering if, if I'm heading down a road that's bad here. Why? And he did this because there are PSAs, there's books, there's stuff in schools. If, mm-hmm. if you have these feelings, go here. It's confidential. No one will shame you. This person's an expert. They yep. won't, they won't tell anyone, you know, there's a whole system ready to go, a society, a system. He goes there and uh, talks it over with someone, and they're like, I commend you for coming forward. There's a road to wellness on this. I commend there's a there's a way to alter your sexual practices and behaviors that will not harm other people and will not get you in trouble and will save your career. Um, let's talk about it. Let's also talk about the traumas that you've been through in your life and maybe what, how that might have yeah. affected your, your sexuality. Imagine if we had a different society where Michael Jackson could have just called someone up and got some help. We yeah. don't live in that society. Nope. So, and that's on us. So yeah. now we're not directly to blame for what Michael Jackson did, but we as a collective are partially to blame. And I always say this, it's like, okay, we can go, ooh, Michael Jackson, gross. We need to be looking at us and going, ooh, our American society, gross. You know, sure. in 100 years, they're going to look back at us, and that's what they're going to say. They're going to be like, how did you treat those people? Where could people turn? Right. Uh, that's how your legal system fucking operated? Ew, gross. Yeah. We are the Michael Jackson of the future. The, they're going to look at us and go in the same way that we look back at, you know, women's suffrage movement. And we're like, really? You're, you didn't allow women to vote? Yeah. How dumb is that? That was just a hundred years ago. And, and part of the challenge is, uh, you were saying earlier that, you know, data can be interpreted, but that there are, you know, there are limits to, to the interpretation in some ways, because we have evidence from countries and other parts of the world that do things differently and have better results statistically with perpetrators, with incriminate, you know, incarceration, with drugs, with a whole bunch of other things. And recidivism. And recidivism. And with climate. And with a whole bunch of other things. With health care. We don't look at that. We, we poo-poo looking at their data. We don't trust it. You know, we don't. And so it's really an uphill battle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's really sad. And I don't see any, I don't see any movement. You know, 2019, I don't see 2020 being in a, any different. I don't see 2030 being, I mean, the Me Too movement has helped, but anyone who believes that we've solved the problem does not understand the extent of the problem. Right. Uh, the, you know, 99.999% of victims after the Me Too movement have still not come forward. Right. I know plenty of people who are, you know, fully aware of the Me Too movement, uh, applaud it, have still not come forward. Yep. Uh, we're, we, we, you know, we got one millimeter out of the darkness. Yep. Uh, we got a lot of more millimeters to go. <laughs> uh, final word, Berto. Yeah, uh, you know, I love Michael Jackson's uh, music. I really do. Uh, not all of it, but a lot of it. And I have felt a little guilt every now and then after some of this stuff, but I still enjoy it. I think he was a cultural icon. He was a musical genius. Uh, at the same time, I believed those victims, and I feel terrible for everyone involved. And I agree with you. I think we, we need to do better as a society. We need to stop 
Imagine if instead of attacking each other about whether or not these things are real, if we were having constructive debates about how to minimize these things happening in the future, whether they happen or not. Like minimizing uh, powerful people taking advantage of their positions, minimizing victims being victimized, minimizing liars coming out and accusing people. <laughs> and the key is that I just want to point out, if you want to think about something to advocate for, is legislation and tax dollars around setting up systems that help perpetrators come forward and help um, victims come forward right. and train the people that the victims come to to react in a trauma-sensitive way. Yep. Um, so there's things we can do that we're not doing. Yep. We're spending plenty of money on stealth bombers, yep. plenty of money on uh, tax breaks for the rich, plenty of money on... Um, roads and well we're not we're cutting those taxes too. but there's a lot of money that's spent on roads <laughs> yeah uh, a lot of money spent on subsidizing certain industries uh, not much if any money spent on this effort which wouldn't be that expensive I said this was the NAS episode but I wanted to go over I did the Thursday poll on Facebook mm -hmm. I asked is it okay to listen to Michael Jackson's music uh, Berto what do you think yes or no oh yes or no Yes. Okay. Why? Uh, so, first of all, the first argument I'm going to make is, as you've pointed out repeatedly throughout the show, in the end, we don't really know what happened. Okay. So, from one angle, we say like, well, I mean, we don't even know what happened. So, making a decision about the music is just a personal choice. There should not be an absolute determination. That's part one. But part two, I'm going to make an even more controversial general point. Um. I think the universe presents a lot of things to us that are morally relative, and a lot of people don't like that. But when we look at a star and we marvel at its beauty or think about how beautiful it is, we don't know if that star maybe just blew up a bit and killed off several planets with trillions of organisms in it. We don't know. Yeah. It might have. But we, we think that's beautiful. Now, if we were told, hey... That's what just happened. Would would the would the star's beauty be any different? I mean, we would we might be cowed by the horrible meaninglessness of the universe. That, but it doesn't change the the sort of like the geometry and the math and the physics of it. Yeah. And so I think that there is such properties for the music of Michael Jackson that they're undeniably aesthetically good. I like the I like that. That's a great metaphor, Berto. Uh, patron Karen on Facebook. We know patron Karen. We met her, I think, at the second live event or the first one. Anyway, she says, hearing it in a store now makes me immediately go back to leaving Neverland. It makes me feel ill. Yeah, that's fair. I've, I've not been able to listen to Michael Jackson since. I've had, I had those feelings specifically with a couple of his songs like PYT. Uh, famous top fan Emily says, hell nah. To the na na na, <laughs> I think she's singing one of the Michael Jackson songs. And not quite sure. Uh, patron Jed, top fan Jed says, "Yeah, I really try to separate the art from the artists. Um, the only time it's sort of a gray area for me is if I'm financially supporting someone." Yes, blah, blah. yes, correct. Uh, top fan Jenny, good old Jenny says, "Musical genius and contributions to pop culture are are, are undeniable. He was a sick." Individual, no question. Um, let's see. But by the way, I, I want to emphasize that point. 
there is a difference. And, and if the question were different, like let's say Michael Jackson was still alive or someone else, let's just say uh, Bill Cosby or even Harvey Weinstein, let's say Harvey Weinstein makes a new movie and he puts it out and and I'm aware that that's his movie. He finance. If I go and I pay money for that movie, well, you don't the have money's to. Gonna, uh, Woody Allen. Right. Woody Allen. <laughs> Woody Allen. Well, Woody Allen is not a Harvey Weinstein, though. I want to make an extreme oh. example. I mean, he's in the direction. The what? Woody Allen's in the direction of, of, of it's Harvey It's not like Weinstein. hundreds of women claiming rape, you know, like. It's, it's more than one. Yeah, but it's, well, I don't know. I don't know all the details. What I'm going to say is, in that case, I, do, I would personally feel like, in fact, I've already done this with Brian Singer. You know, I've not gone to the X-Men movie or whatever it was because I heard allegations and I felt like, well, I don't want to patronize this. It's a hard decision because a lot of people are involved in those movies. It's not just one person and all these things. And maybe I'm wrong and who knows. But me personally, I do feel more reticence to giving money to someone that I think is offending and and causing harm. Maria on Facebook says, this question provokes me to the point of writing something in the comment field. So... Hope you can bear with me on how I express myself. I'm convinced we all here have the same fundamental stance of wanting to prevent people, especially children, from getting harmed. And she, there's several paragraphs here. So I, I think we know what she was getting at. So good points there. Uh, Shanna, patron Shanna, I think the better question is, where is your threshold for tolerance of an individual, including a public celebrity, when it comes to allegations and skeletons in the closet? Yeah. Top fan Jan says, or Jan, that's such a weird question. I struggle to see how believing in his guilt, which I do, would lead to saying it's not okay for someone to listen to his music. Patron Natasha, whom we met, I personally feel gross when I hear his music. Come on. Obviously, it's technically great, but it's just ugh. Uh, and so on. So a lot of people are are chiming in with things like this. You know, uh, another example that occurs to me is uh, you travel to Mexico and you go to the pyramids, the Aztec pyramids, and you look at them and you're like, man, that's amazing, right? Bodies were sacrificed by the thousands, hearts ripped out, heads rolled, babies killed, blood flowing. Why don't we demolish them? Yeah, there's actually a f- uh, another example are uh, things involving Japan in China. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we look at Nazi symbolism, even just the swastika, right? Uh, we're we're aghast. We're yeah. like, never forget, and don't ever uphold that. Tear down all the things, you know. Um, and, or I guess more specifically to our country. We have a bunch of monuments in the South for the Confederacy and slave owners and this kind of thing. And it's an interesting question. You know, to the Michael Jackson question, to the Civil War Memorial stuff, all that shit's got to go, in my opinion, but because I don't care about that kind of stuff. I don't care about some random uh, statue to General Lee. It's just I just don't care. And obviously, if you do care, you'll have a different opinion about it. Anyway, but the Michael Jackson question. I don't know. I have, I, I'm a huge Michael Jackson fan. I, I, I have a, on Spotify, I have a Michael Jackson playlist. Yeah. Um, like human nature. I tried to cover that song. Yeah. I, I, I failed at it, especially the voice for, <laughs> I yeah. could not sing like Michael, obviously, but I, 
love some of that music. And when I want to dance, I want to dance to that music. Yeah. When I want to go to karaoke, I might want to hear someone else sing those songs. When I'm at um, a bar and the song comes on, you know, I want to tap my foot. But at the same time, I'm like, but wait a second. Uh, this doesn't feel right to me. I can't help not thinking about the images that this documentary put into my head. And I'm like, he could have literally recorded that track and gone home and done these horrible acts. Right. It's hard to reconcile. And I don't know the answer to the question because it is such great music and it is so important in my personal life. It's not just a, it's not just a star in the sky uh, that I'm gazing at as, as pretty. This is like my childhood, the same with the Cosby show, this and, and, and Cosby's, um, uh, comedy records. Right, right, right. We would listen, we would sit down in front of the stereo, my family, and just listen to a comedy record by Cosby. Right. And we would also listen to Cheech and Chong, by the way, which is uh, uh, funny, but these are important events in my life. Mm-hmm. And I'm supposed to just throw all that away, but I don't feel right, you know, just popping in his music and just arbitrarily enjoying it the way I used to. Mm, interesting. I don't know the answer to the question, really. Yeah, it's, it's hard. Because part of it, like, and I'm saying this over and over again, part of it is, it's not just Michael Jackson's music. It's our music. It's my music. Yeah. My relationship with Billie Jean and the video is my relationship with that thing. Yeah. And the things that Michael Jackson did can't take that away from me in a certain way. Right. And the same thing with Woody Allen movies. And Harvey Weinstein production. I mean, Harvey Weinstein produced several movies that I loved. I think yeah. he produced uh, uh, Goodwill Hunting. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of other movies like yeah. that. Um, so I'm that. Those are dear things to me. Yeah, they have resonance to me in my history. Do I throw all that away? I really just don't, I legitimately do not answer the question. And I guess the, the only answer I can give is, it is a personal choice. It should not be legislated. And I don't know that we're, any of us are entitled to give a, a blanket answer for what everyone should do. Right. Well, that does it for that episode of Psychology in Seattle. Thanks for joining us out there. Please comment below. Let us know what you think. I'm, I'm pretty sure that we've rectified the situation and YouTube, <laughs> YouTube comments are now enabled. <laughs> Uh, do you think? Oh, are they? Yeah. Do, oh, okay. Do you think he's innocent? Do you think he's guilty? Do you think we should listen to the music? Do you think not? I thought you were saying like I'm pretty sure we've rectified the Michael Jackson situation and we will no longer have negative YouTube comments. <laughs> no. And please take care of yourself because you deserve it. <laughs> <laughs>